Warning, some members of this podcast have been known for gratuitous use of the F word. If the F word is something that offends you, fuck it, let's do this. Awesome. Hit the theme music, Doug. Live from Tornado Alley on St. Patty's Day. It's ignore the rant. We're on, uh, you know, our third Dougie Less episode, and uh, I'm curious, what's the forecast? Is uh, has he, you know, let us know when he's looking to relinqu- relinquish the microphone or re-grab the microphone? Yes, um, that will be happening tentatively next episode. Wow. Yeah, so next week we will have Doug back. Well, actually, we will be back with Doug because we'll be back in his studio. If anything sounds off, uh, not only on this episode, but on the last two, <laughs> it's because I'm running everything, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Oh, it's best that you're running it as compared to me, though. So <laughs> my engineering talents uh, are nil. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing things right now while we're recording that I don't think I've ever seen Doug do. I probably shouldn't be touching any of this, but just trying to get it to where uh, it looks like we should sound good. Anyway, this will probably not make it to the final cut. Maybe it will. I don't know. (laughs) There's only one way to find out. Half the time, I have no idea how these things are going to come out until we're done. Mm -hmm. And I go back to edit it or, you know, re-listen before I publish. Um. And that's the only, if we fucked up or if we lost anything or if a mic goes out or something, like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Knock on wood. I don't know. I kind of see these episodes almost like a fever dream. It's like as soon as they're over, I I don't remember shit almost about what we talked about. (laughs) Yeah, no, a lot of times, like, I actually used to listen to our episodes uh, when we first started Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's a new it's a new sensation to hear your voice the way that other people hear it. Sure. Coming from somewhere other than your own head. And, uh, yeah, everyone sounds different. Everybody sounds, well, maybe I shan't, I shouldn't say everybody, but I sound very different to myself. Sure. Than I do when, uh, when I hear a recording of myself. So like when I'm talking now, sure. Um, my voice sounds very, it sounds a lot more bassy because it's rattling around in my own head. Yeah. I sound way more, you know, badass in my own head. And then I hit, then I hit play on one of our podcasts. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> that's how, <laughs> that's how everybody's taking, taking me in. Okay. But I anyway, mean, there, there is actually, I mean, uh, I watched a, uh, a video by a uh, vocalist that explained the disparity between uh, what we sound like to ourselves and what we sound like once we're actually recorded. It does have a lot to do with what you actually said uh, with the, you know, voice inside your head, because, I mean, there is a lot of reverberation uh, that goes on from the inside. I forget the whole uh, scientific uh, thing that she outlines, but what I can tell you is, you know, I've been in customer service for the, you know, God, the last you know, 
greatest portion of my life, at least 10, you know, it's 12 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the requirements, you know, is you have to listen to phone calls. And I fucking hate hearing my voice. You know, just it's one of those things that I've never grown comfortable with. You know, anytime I can talk my manager out of playing me back, then it's a good fucking day. And so I get it. I, I, re I really do. I mean, and most people do hate the way they sound uh, once they, they hear themselves recorded because it's such a separation between what they think they actually sound like. Yeah. No, and I'll say, like, uh, you know, if I if I hear myself on like an old, uh, oh, this is gonna age me, but fuck it. I remember back in '03, uh, during college, you know, during spring break back in college, one of uh, one of the guys that we went with a huge group down to Panama City, rented a condo. Uh, th there were actually, I think, two or three marriages that came out of that trip. <laughs> if Ooh, I remember nice. correctly, not there. Like they didn't get married on the beach well, there. Sure, sure, sure. But people. We met up with a whole nother group. There was, I don't know, 10 to 12 of us dudes, and my numbers might be off. I was pretty drunk. And you in, don't say. In fact, it was 18 <laughs> years ago this week. Shit. If I remember correctly, yeah, because I want to say we celebrated St. Patty's Day, which we are recording on St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Um, both UGA spring break and Georgia Southern spring break were on the same week. Yeah. And that might have been the case every year, but this was the only year where we all planned something together. Okay. Um, so we all went down. There was, a, there was a whole group of us, and then some hangers-on came down from other schools. And then we met up with a large group of ladies. And if I remember correctly, there's at least two, if not three, marriages that came out of the, that initial meeting but um and n none of those three couples had known each other prior nope. wow that's no no they all met for the first time because we that's met impressive. we met up with a sorority from another school uh-huh and it, through like a mutual friend like one of the guys in our group knew one of the girls in their group and it was just like well let's all just hang out and if you guys are creeps or if you girls were bitches then we wouldn't it wouldn't have lasted but just the first day, but we ended up doing everything together. I didn't really buy into any of this because I was like, guys, <laughs> we're in Panama City on spring break. Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little did I know that a handful of my boys were getting hitched up, um, meeting their future wife. Yeah. Yeah. That, actually, Panama <laughs> Dude, this man of Panama City is the last fucking place on this planet where I would ever even contemplate. Yeah, you know, meeting someone. I think it was because we knew the backstory of a lot of the people, and we also knew that everybody that we were hanging out with were all from the same. We were all from Metro Atlanta, so sure. it was like, okay, you're probably you're probably not going to be a psycho, um, you know, because that's who you most of the time meet on on Panama City. Yeah, <laughs> I just got blackout drunk the whole time and played bombs over Baghdad on repeat because it was the week that we were kicking off the Iraq War back when I was a yeah. a, a, a a good little neocon cheering on our <laughs> our efforts. Yeah, um, but 
the whole point of this story is, is one of the guys in that group that I was with had a camcorder or whatever, and he basically just filmed any time that there was drinking going on. So he filmed the entire thing because I was drinking the whole time. That's and a, a couple of the guys, actually everybody was pretty soused. Yeah. Uh, there was only one copy. It was before the digital age. Yeah. And so for like six months, the video would be in Athens. But it would float around from yeah. pe- different people's apartments. And you know, uh, you remember college, you move every year. Sure. And so eventually, like three or four years after we're all out of college, our first reunion back together, somebody ha- asked, hey, does anybody know where the tape is? And everybody was like, no, I thought you had it. No, I thought you had it. it it's gone. It's it, gone as fuck. Somebody, <laughs> somebody found it when they moved into a shitty apartment in Athens and probably, <laughs> probably, um, I hope was laughing their ass off. But uh, my, again, going back to my point, ah. when we would watch this, this video and I would hear myself, A, it was one of the few records back then, thank God, because camera phones didn't exist and all this other shit. It was one of the few records of me being very drunk, um, captured in time, huh. but where I could hear myself. And it wasn't yeah. just the drunk thing. That obviously uh, makes everything a little more awkward, but it was just me hearing my voice coming sure. through a TV. I was like, ugh. <laughs> but it was also because I would be 20 feet away saying something. There's a big difference. I don't mind my voice coming through coming through this, this system this that's... Uh, set up for voice, you know, recording. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me nearly as bad as old shitty 90s camcorders or telephones. Telephones always suck. Yeah. Nobody comes through a telephone just like, oh, damn. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would almost make that uh, caveat uh, where, it, 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 you know, it does sound better to my ears, you know, hearing myself over this setup. It's still something that I do not incredibly enjoy going back to listen to though just i mean i mean for that reason that reason alone but uh yeah we've been on this a lot longer i figured well the spring break story kind of crept in there yeah that's how my brain works but um anywho yeah and speaking of hearing us if you couldn't hear us while the music was playing i i said you know welcome to tornado alley because currently in the Southeastern United States, we're experiencing uh, a molly whopper of a night. Yeah. That currently, right now, Georgia's not getting it so bad. It's coming. There's rain in the area, but tornadoes are ripping a new one through Mississippi and Alabama right now, and it's coming right for us. You know, my experience, you know, with tornadoes, uh, as I've stated before, I grew up here, and so... um. This is going to be a very interesting, I think, year um, just for getting back to and understanding what it is and what it feels like to go through this season. Um, Because as a kid, you know, I was woken up at various times during the night, you know, and we'd always end up having to huddle in our basement. Now, our our basement is um, we had a house that was built. I want to say it was in the 50s or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the uh, basement consisted of two closets that, before they were closets, 
they were bomb shelters. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so we had a little bit of extra added protection if the case came. But, I mean, generally, by and large, as a child, tornadoes meant I got to be up late. <laughs> yeah. And so I almost kind of enjoyed it. I didn't think of the peril that I might actually be facing. And now, you know, going through it, I'm like, you know, I had parents to wake me up back in the day if shit was going down. And now I'm almost 100% sure I'm going to be just oblivious. Yeah, and that seems to be the way it goes here, is that the tornadoes, whenever we get tornadic activity, the majority of the time it's at night. I, I actually grew up in fear of tornadoes. Mm -hmm. Because there was this one time, it was my mom, my sister, and I, I forgot where we were going initially, but we were on our way back home. It was during the summer. We grabbed some ice cream from like Brewster's or something like that. Sure. Anyway, we were on our way home and it went, it was like a nice sunny day, nice enough to go out and get ice cream. But on our way home, just like a, a light switch, it just went dark uh -huh. fast and then immediately heavy rain, hail, my mom, uh, windshield wipers on full blast, mom driving 10 and two with her nose, two inches from the wind, you know, the, the steering wheel. And she's like, I can't see. Yeah. We're, we got to pull off the road and just let this thing, sure. whatever it is, blow <laughs> by us. And so I'll, I'll never forget. We pulled into a, uh, car repair shop parking lot and we're just waiting it out and we're parked in between some cars. So it's like, if anything goes flying, you know, we should be fine. And I'll never forget, like, the wind started just, like, abusing us. Because mm -hmm. it would just go, no wind, all wind. Yeah. And long story short, we were in, we don't know if it was a tornado, but it was like a, a, like a supercell or a microburst or whatever. Sure. Where shit was flying, the crazy, my mom fucking just, like, I was sitting behind her. She just grabbed you know, like she just reached back and grabbed. She's like, give me your hand. And I was like, God okay. Damn. <laughs> and, and she just started praying. Yeah. Like my mom was literally scared to death. She thought we were going to die. Yeah. Um, my memories of it was the car was shaking a shitload. It didn't feel like we were on the ground and shit was flying through the air. And my mom was praying as though uh, that was it. And uh, so that instilled a little bit of trepidation when it comes to tornadoes. Yeah. And I'm going to, now I get to carry that with me through the rest of my life. <laughs> Isn't that how it always goes? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah. But no, it, it probably was like it did damage. There was, sure. there were trees down, there were limbs down. I mean, it, when it passed, there was shit fucking everywhere. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that was something. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's not Texas, it's not Oklahoma or Nebraska or Kansas, but you know, there's a strip from just north of New Orleans all the way up to Atlanta that cuts across Mississippi and Alabama and West Georgia. That's, that's another tornado alley. It yeah. doesn't really get talked about the same way that the Midwest or I guess the, the, the central plain States get. Well, I, you know, I, I lived in a area that became dubbed, you know, um, tornado alley, um, at least for a time. Uh, it, I, we were maybe two miles from it. It was the East West connector. And so, that area was definitely high in activity. I mean, 
You know, I'm not going to pretend like nothing crazy happened when I was a kid. I, certainly, I was just, for whatever reason, more flippant about it as a child. But, you know, I mean, because one of my earlier kind of memories about that is like, you know, I, I can't remember when Hugo came through here. Hugo was 89. Ah, okay. I didn't wake up. For any of it. Mm -hmm. I had no goddamn clue anything had actually even happened until I woke up the next day downstairs. I was like, how the hell did I get here? And they're like, yeah, we literally had to scoop you out of bed because you would not wake up. Apparently, it was the loudest thing ever. I mean, we had a tree that came violently close to taking out our house. Yeah. I have those memories, but for whatever reason, I, I just, it never crossed over into the fear realm. I, I think the only thing that really made me fearful, if anything, was the uh, alert. Mm -hmm. They're basically the, you know, bomb dropping sirens. And, you know, so those, of course, the that sound always kind of made me more eerie than anything but you know after the after that went away i was just like glad to be up you know past the time i was supposed to be which is really stupid now that i'm thinking about it but yeah no i i i realize it for what it is and uh i think it's also because in my line of work i've had to do so much storm cleanup yeah and so you see the aftermath of what mother nature can do and even around here where we live, where every, every lot is fully wooded. And yeah. see, and that, that's the difference is I'm not scared of the tornado or, or high winds necessarily. Because like I said, if, if it's a tornado, unless it's a direct hit, you're probably going to be okay. It's, it's the wake. Yeah, it's not that the wind's blowing. It's what, what the, the wind, wind is, is blowing. Yeah. And here there's a lot of very large, heavy things that the wind could be blowing. And oh, yeah. That's... That's the only, like, if there wasn't a tree on my lot, I wouldn't give two fucks. I would sleep on the front porch and enjoy a nice breeze. But uh, anyway, we've been going for about 25 minutes just bullshitting. Let's get into our first story. Uh-oh. Speaking of where you said that uh, you grew up, uh huh. a little bit of news broke up in that direction yesterday. Yeah. And also in Atlanta. That has... Uh, that quickly, immediately made national news. But uh, if you haven't heard yet, there was multiple, I guess a multi-location mass shooting that went down yesterday here in Atlanta. And it was, uh, I guess they're dubbing it the Massage Parlor Massacre or something of that effect. If they haven't yet, they will. Yeah. Um, well, actually, you know what? Let's just read the fucking article out yeah, of our local AJC. A crime against us all. Outrage. Grief after deadly spa shootings. And then immediately below that it says most of the victims were Asian women. It's like, well, and we'll get to that. Okay, anyway. Metro Atlanta was gripped by shock and anger on Wednesday, the day after a deadly shooting spree killed eight people. Most of them Asian women. Jesus, all right, that's the second time already. Quote, our hearts are breaking for the victims and their families, and we're certainly keeping them in our prayers, and said Governor Brian Kemp. We'll let the investigation continue, but it was a tragic night in our state. Robert Aaron Long, 21, 
apprehended in South Georgia Tuesday night, has been charged with eight counts of murder and one count of aggravated assault. He has been returned to Cherokee County, where the first shooting took place on Tuesday. Now, they arrested him, I think it was 150 miles south of Atlanta. Yeah, he was heading to Florida. Yeah. He was trying to get the fuck out of Dodge, but... uh, No, he was actually planning on doing some shit in Florida, too. Supposedly... Um, I mean, the only kind of thing that I saw in an article where they were hypothesizing, you know, what he was off to do, because I think he has said what he was going to do. Yeah. Um, but it was something regarding adult film, I think. So here's the thing. So they, sure. they arrested him. And in this article, it says long told investigators, he frequented the types of businesses targeted in the Tuesday's shootings, calling them a quote temptation he wanted to eliminate. During his interview, he gave no indicators that this was racially motivated. You hear that, National News? You can drop the race shit. See, and that, that, you know, that's the thing. Everything that I read, everything I see, it's already half-baked into it. Yeah, the, the Asian the, community. It's yeah. all about Asian. It was a crime against Asians. It's like, well, fuck you. There were two non-Asians. Like, he was, he was going in to do damage to, to anybody that was there. Yeah. But these are massage parlors. Yeah. Who is going to, like, it, it's either going to be Asians or Russians. Uh, certain types, sure. In this area. Yeah. It continues. Cherokee Sheriff Frank Reynolds uh, said, quote, we asked him that specifically, you know, the race thing. Yeah. And his answer was no. Like, it can't be any more definitive. This, yeah. Ha- I don't. This has nothing to do with race. Again, this whole hate crime thing we were talking about last week, like they're, they're trying so hard to say, oh, this, is, this must be a hate crime because the majority of the people that died were Asian. Therefore, it must only be because they're race. Um, now, here's where you were talking about. Long also told investigators his plan was to drive to Florida. He was caught late Tuesday night about 150 miles south of Atlanta, thanks in part to his parents, according to police. The FBI is assisting with the investigation. Communities around Metro Atlanta reacted swiftly to Tuesday's violence. The Doraville City Council announced it would pass a resolution condemning the violence. Wow, way to go. While the <laughs> that Gwinnett, does a lot. While the Gwinnett County Police Department said it would step up patrols around Asian-owned businesses. Jesus Christ. They literally think that there's just this pent-up desire to go take out aggressions against Asians. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, oh, oh, is it slipping? We... We better go shore up the Asian business. Hey, I don't know if you remember. Uh, just Google rooftop Koreans. They were made famous during the Rodney King riots in uh, in L.A., where Asian businesses were targeted, and immediately the Korean-owned businesses uh, they didn't call the cops. They knew the cops weren't going to show up and be able to help them out. It was this the city was in chaos. Sure. So they got up on the roofs of their businesses with what would be called now assault-style weapons, and Mm. they shot the fuck out of anybody that tried to loot their stores. Yeah. So knock yourself out patrolling them, but uh, A, I don't think it's going to tip off any massive, you know, anti-Asian movement, obviously. And this guy had no intention of seeking out Asians. Yeah. He's, he's said it twice. You know, it's always hilarious to me whenever any of these articles, and I think the AJC article included, also said, you know, the Asian community is outraged. Yeah. And it's like, 
really? Then why don't you follow it up with a quote by somebody from the Asian community? They always seem to leave out the outraged parties uh, from those claims, mostly. And then they show a picture immediately beneath, and it was people holding up protest signs, and they did not look at all Asian, (laughs) from what I recall. No, everybody that I've seen that's been crying out for stop the violence against Asians uh, aren't Asian. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they're just like, okay, thanks for making us another cause. Yeah. We'll just keep doing our thing. But the <laughs> this article continues after the Gwinnett County Police Department said it would step up its patrols around Asian-owned businesses. Quote, although there are no known threats at this time, these patrols will continue for the foreseeable future for the safety and comfort of the community, the department said. If anyone sees something that may appear suspicious or potentially criminal in nature, they are encouraged to call the police immediately. I mean, I guess if this is serving your community, like I said, knock yourself out. But this is fucking retarded. Yeah. It was a one-time thing. There was nothing that you could have done to have stopped it, prevented it, um, unless you actually physically knew the guy. Yeah. And you saw him, tot- you know, Packing up the guns, and it's like, uh, where are you going, buddy? <laughs> I mean, hey, man, <laughs> it's a fucking Tuesday. Like, yeah. And it's rush hour. Um, what's up? Yeah. So, anyway, obviously, it's terrible. I mean, we're talking about mass shootings, multiple people dead. Um, and, and his claim was... He he seeked out those massage parlors because a he went to them yeah but the bigger part was because he saw them as a temptation he wasn't capable of controlling himself and therefore he thought that those just shouldn't exist mm-hmm. you know by the way there's a fuckload of Asian spas yeah I was Atlanta. about to say you know you hit three spas it's not exactly uh. You haven't eliminated shit, sir. Just no. just so you're aware. Yeah, we can go get rub and tugs tomorrow with yeah. ease. And, and well, might we add that we are not sure definitely that all of these locations were rub and tug locations. Uh, I will go ahead and go out on a limb and say for fucking sure they were. <laughs> okay. People don't pick up guns because you're working out the knot in their back. <laughs> That's never happened in the history of ever. I so, don't know. He he is an incel. So, you know. That's my point. What you take as a sexual advancement. <laughs> could, no, incels <laughs> believe that, that you know, they blame women for all of their shortcomings as far as why they can't sure. have a relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. Because they're already naturally socially awkward, he feels like he has to resort to paying for the most minimal of sexual encounters. Uh, that just happen to be at these spas, that makes him feel bad about his situation. He doesn't feel any better about his awkwardness. So the way that he handles it is, I can't stop myself from going to these places. I'm going to stop the people from in those places doing this, because if I feel this way, then everybody that goes to these places must feel this way. They're now evil. I have to go wipe them off the face of the earth. That's how an incel thinks. That's how... These people that are 
mentally to the point where they're going to pick up a gun and take out their aggression or their shortcomings out on the world. This is exactly how this shit goes. I'm trying to rationalize what this 21 year old, uh, obvious incel, like he's, he's got all of the qualities, all the immediate quality. I've seen the picture of him. He looks like a lonely fuck. And if I'm wrong, I'll correct myself, but I don't think I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. And I think this guy went and to right the wrongs that he thinks were wrongs uh, that they're doing in there. See, and this is the focus of today's youth. It's not my fault that I have these urges. It's your fucking fault and everyone else's. I, I'm never going to make the determination that it rounds back around to my dumb ass. Well, no, I think, it's, I think it starts out as it is my fault that I went, but I've overcome that now. I've seen the error of my ways. I'm now seeing clearly, but now I must save those who have not gotten to where I'm at now. There must be people out there that were feeling like I just was, and just feeling bad about it, well, I need to step up for all them. A lot of these people have God complexes, thinking mm-hmm. that they're doing something much greater than what they actually are. Yeah. Um, or he could have just only wanted to go and kill one person, but he thought he would just kept shooting the same person over and over. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a, a, all Asians look the same crack? <laughs> if you got to explain it, it's not a joke, Arona. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> my bad or yeah you know, I, I don't know i don't know uh but yeah you know he's got he's got all of the elliot roger feels mm. and if you don't remember elliot roger uh just google him he's he's the guy out in california that uh went and shot up the university of cal uh campus because girls wouldn't date him he just left his house one day and was like i'm gonna go take it out on women yeah. And there's, I think there's documentaries. There's a, I think there's a series on either Amazon Prime or maybe HBO Max, something like that called Active Shooter. It's a multi part series that goes over very famous cases of active shooter situations in America, maybe around the world, but it covers that story. Yeah. And it goes into depth of what happened, how it happened, who did what, and all that stuff. So Google that. This, but, if you remember that story, this one has identical yeah. uh, feelings to it. That's why I'm like, this guy's an incel. The dude needed to bust a nut way yeah. more than he needed to bust any caps. That's, that's for fucking sure. If that dude would have just jerked off, eight people still alive today. Yeah. But uh, speaking of, of other stories that made the news that we're just getting looked at again through racial lenses immediately before anybody could, I don't know, shut the fuck up and see that it's not what you're wanting it to be. The Grammys. <laughs> oh, the Grammys were this weekend, supposedly. Not so anyone would notice. No, apparently. I mean, I heard, <laughs> I heard that the Grammys were coming up. Yeah. But I don't know if I've ever watched the Grammys. Yeah. I don't care about the Grammys. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever taken the Grammys seriously. My family, um, as a general rule, always watched the award shows, at least the big ones. You know, the Oscars, the Grammys, the um, I'm, r- I'm running out of them. The but CMA I mean, Awards? Uh, <laughs> no. Racists. We, I know, seriously. 
Um, but yeah, we watched all of those, and I don't recall ever feeling like, ooh, they won a Grammy. They must be an amazingly huge talent. So fuck the Grammys. But, um, <laughs> you know, one thing that I guess I learned over the years is that they, the awards go all day. There's like an entire section of awards given out before it ever makes it to TV. You know, yeah. it's, it's live and everything, but they're giving out awards before then. This year, they had Bill Burr be mm-hmm. the host of the pre-show awards, where it was basically a lot of international artists. Yeah. And I'm going to play a clip, or I'm going to play the clip that got him some heat on Twitter. Yeah. And for calls of cancel, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going to go through this one, but, uh, here's our boy, old Billy Redface. For best tropical Latin album. All right. Hey, how many uh, feminists are like going nuts? So how, why is this cis white male doing all this Latino stuff? Uh, and the Grammy goes to, (laughs) so so b- before that, yeah, he was mispronouncing names. He opened his set by saying, you know, do you know how much money I'm losing by being here? Like this immediately <laughs> makes me not cool. Yeah. Um, and it, it was all virtual. There was nobody there. No, there was no bands. He wasn't meeting anybody. He wasn't handing an award to anybody because it was all virtual. Yeah. And I think he felt uh, a little irked by that. And he was like, here's my opportunity to have something to do with the Grammys. And it's just me on a stage. This yeah. kind of, this is really, <laughs> this is really fucking retarded. I love how he's getting heat on the whole, you know, not pronouncing names right. First of all, the Grammys knew what they were getting when they got Bill Burr. And I guarantee you, anyone that was preparing him for his segment they did not give him pronunciations. I guarantee they di- they didn't care. They they figured the value of his appearance was going to be that he was going to fuck some shit up. Oh yeah, I mean, you know what you're going to get when you get Bill Burr. Exactly, and that's why people love him. Yeah, the people that love him love him for that, and I think the people that hate him are a very 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 small crowd that would never go see him anyway. Yeah, but because. The crowds that love these award shows are naturally not Bill Burr fans. Yeah. So it was a terrible pairing. But every couple of years, uh, especially back in the day when he was releasing a comedy special every two years, yeah, it seemed to line up with, oh, the cancel squad is trying to cancel Bill Burr again. But this one kicked off a series of tweets and backlash to Bill Burr, and we might read a handful of those, but one in particular that seemed to just absolutely piss off every Bill Burr fan and half of Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) And it was done by one Claiborne Griffin. Jesus Christ, son. Yeah. First of all, that name sounds like you've owned people back in the day. To try to be so... Probably still do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well he, he has an opinion about what it's like. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to oh, get Oh, please it. tell me, it's, Claiborne. It's so retarded, but yeah. here it is. Uh, from at Claiborne, while I'm not suggesting Bill Burr is a racist, a white man having a non-white wife can sometimes be a sign of racism, 
So you shouldn't assume someone isn't racist just because they own a minority sex servant. They may very well have one because they're racist. And real quick, Bill, the reason why he wrote this tweet this way about being in a relationship with a black person is Bill Burr's wife, the sweet and angelic Nia, Nia mm-hmm. is black. Yeah. And she and Bill have two children together. They have, yeah. a, they have a daughter uh, that's now a few years old, and they had a son last summer. Um, and they've been together for a long ass time. Nia used to work on Tough Crowd, an yeah. old funny ass show. Um, she's on Bill Burr's podcast, Monday Morning Podcast, a lot with him. Mm-hmm. She gives him shit. Well, I was about to say, I've heard her speak. She's not owned by anyone. Fuck no. <laughs> and if anything, Bill Burr is owned by her. Oh yeah, no because shit. Because there was there was one one night Bill was here in Atlanta. He was filming something, and after a few months. He just got tired of staying in the hotel room. Sure. And I was driving home one day from work, and I got this email. It was just one line, Bill Burr, tonight, one show only, 7 p.m. And I was like, oh, this wasn't wasn't supposed to happen. This is just a drop-in spot. As soon as I saw that email, got on the horn, and I was like, you, Bill Burr's in town. He was like, say no more. Yeah, we're going. I'm coming to pick you up. I was like, I'm not home yet. Give me 20. (laughs) And I had just bought his vinyl. I ran home just to get that because I was like, this is going to be a small crowd. I'm going to meet Bill Burr and I'm going to get him to sign this fucking album. So we go to the show. Great show. After the show, I already knew he doesn't announce it. If you just hang out after the show, you can have a fucking beer with the man. Yeah. If it, and this was a year where he was still drinking. He's now since given up alcohol. Sure. But I was like, it's my goal to meet my favorite comedian, have a beer with him, and see if I can't get him to sign this album. Sure. So after the show ends, I book it, haul ass out to the parking lot, get my album, run back in. There's a line of 10 people waiting to meet him, get a picture made, whatever. I'm in the back of the line. I'm the last one. And they're starting to close the place up. And I start to get nervous. Like, oh, fuck. They better not. Mm. wheel him out of here sure so i get a chance to meet him shake his hand get a picture made with him and uh but before i'm able to get even the picture with him i shake his hand and then he has to excuse himself he's like oh hold on guys sorry and i'm like fuck that's it that i mean it's better than nothing but sure shit because it literally was a shaking of a hand and passing i'll be right with you and the reason why i say i think nia owns him is because he was getting a call from his wife. Yeah. And so he's like, I got to take this. A FaceTime, if I recall, yes. when you told me the story. Yeah. This was when his daughter was maybe six months old. Yeah. And uh, it was bedtime. Mm-hmm. So when that phone rings, every the world gets shut off. I got to go do FaceTime and put my daughter to bed, you know, over this phone. Sure. And so I patiently waited. He went over and I, I, <laughs> I was close enough that I could hear him give his goo goo gaga dad talk to his daughter. And they wrapped up a few minutes later. He saw that I was still there and he apologized probably six times. I'm so sorry. Oh man. Thank you for waiting. I'm I apologize. And I was like, dude, don't apologize. That's your, that's your daughter. Yeah. You know? And anyway, long story short, coolest guy. Yeah. You hear the story. Don't meet your heroes, whatever. Mm -hmm. That was the best experience as far as meeting quote a hero. Yeah. Cool as shit. Stay, we hung out for 15 minutes, just shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, 
And so I will always defend Bill Burr, especially when some little fag like Claiborne <laughs> Griffin wants to come out and start talking about, uh, you know, owning a minority sex servant. Like, yeah. hey, fuck off. So, yeah. You know, you know, first of all, anybody trying to uh, cancel Bill Burr, it's not happening. You are not going to make it stick. I guarantee you. Uh, you know, the guy is one of the most beloved comedians currently, and his, you know, base of fans are fairly rabid as far as considering comedians. I- I'm not going to say, you know, it- it's it's not like, you know... <laughs> A heavy metal rival rivalry or something. It's not like Sam Kinison or Dice yeah. or you know. There's there's more barbaric fans out there, but I don't think there's any more. I'm not committed gonna, yeah. fan, like you know loyal fans. Bill Burr's got a very large and loyal following. The dude's exactly. the most successful comedian. He, in my opinion, and probably with a lot of help with uh, Louis C.K. being a bit of a scumbag, he surpassed Louis. How is Louis a scumbag? He tells you he's a scumbag. Sure. I'm using his terminology that he describes himself. He goes, I'm a scumbag. Well, but he, <laughs> he st- for what people are calling him a scumbag, he is not. For that thing, for having a kink that you make people aware of and then ask them to agree upon being it's a part of scummy said thing kink. to do. Uh, it's not a trait you want your loved ones to grow up having. It's nothing that should be applauded. But it's nothing that should be, uh, you know, his his career and his life shouldn't be ended over either. No. But it ain't a fucking high bar mark for anybody. And he no, acknowledges that. call it a high bar mark. No. I'm just saying, Louis is very much a scumbag. <clears throat> he is not uh, a decent man. He tells you this. Believe yeah. him when he says this. Yeah. Um, Bill Burr is not that. No. No, he's... He's yeah. a few levels less. Um, he's an asshole when he feels the need to be, and he owns that. Yeah. And he even tells you, he's like, look, I'm a moron. I'm an asshole. Yeah. What do you want from me? Mm-hmm. I'm, I just call the people what they call themselves. But because of Louis' setback, yeah. Bill Burr has surpassed him as far as sure. being the most successful comedian. A hundred percent. And, you know, the, everything that people are attacking him for about his appearance is exactly the reason why his fans love him. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not creating outrage. In fact, you are almost creating more outrage by being yourself fucking outrageous. And even more so than the guy that you're bringing up, one of mine where I was just like, holy shit, it was the one where the person was basically like, this man should be behind bars. In fact, wait, stop. All white men should be in a cage. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, let's see if we can get in here. All right. I'm not going to read their Twitter handles because most of them are, are not words. They're just like meme yoingi. Hmm. Yeah. Look it up. I don't give a shit. Sure. At Bill Burr. They, and they must be yelling because it's all caps. Oh. Hey, motherfucker. Yeah, you fucking racist. Keep one eye open at all times. Hmm. Another one. Bill Burr is the perfect example of why white men deserve to be kept in cages. That was the one you were talking about. Yeah. Another one. Racist piece of shit. Uh, 
most of these are in all caps. Shut the fuck up and get off the stage. It's like, uh, yeah, get off the stage, white man. Ban Bill Burr. Actually, just ban white men. A disgrace. That's another one you're talking about. Ugly ass white man. He'll agree with you there. Uh, <laughs> fuck you, you're not funny. Bill Burr is not funny. What he said wasn't funny. He said something triggering. Yeah. Bill Burr, asshole white comedian, is presenting awards, insulting people, and being triggering. Oh, my God. Yeah. I can't wait until every one of you is fired 10 years from now for saying stupid shit on Twitter because you love so much to do that to the people now. Yeah. Fuck Bill Burr. Fuck him right in his white bald face. He's an asshole misogynist and an ableist dickweed. (laughs) Ah. Here's another one. Ooh. This is from a fan. Okay. A self-described fan. This bitch ain't a fucking fan. And there's no... You know how you can read a tweet and just immediately know, that's a lie. Yeah. That, A, uh, it either never happened if you're making a claim that something happened, or what you're saying isn't true. It just isn't. Yeah. That translates to, I once saw him for two minutes on TV. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, oh, yeah, I loved you in The Mandalorian before they let that Nazi woman on there. And you weren't that bad in Breaking Bad. That's what they mean by as a fan. Sure. OMG, Bill Burr, huge fan. Get the fuck off this stage right now, you stupid, cis, white, racist piece of shit. Sincerely, an angry feminist. By the way, you didn't need to put the word angry before feminist. It's implied. (laughs) But here's the thing. If you are a feminist, you've never been a fan of Bill Burr. That's how I know this is a fucking lie. Mm Mm-hmm. So fuck that fucking twat. <laughs> How about that feminist? Um, <laughs> praying Bill Burr loses his entire career, but he white, so I doubt that will happen. Doop, doop, doop. And then like four emojis that have nothing to do with anything. And so anyway, you see the, uh, the outrage that uh, this cis white male. <laughs> God, these people are pussies. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, so... Going back to that Claiborne Griffin tweet, that's the one that blew up. All the other ones that I read, obviously, are they're typical reactionary type tweets like, oh, I didn't like this. Fuck you. Uh, get off the stage. Yeah. They're like little bursts. Mm-hmm. But they're not written out where somebody actually put thought into it, where they're like, I want to talk about the ownership of sex servants. Yeah. Well, news of this tweet got back to Nia, she, re- she replied back to him in the only way that should have been expected. And it was, bitch, shut the fuck up. Hey, <laughs> standing go. Yeah, no shit. Good job. Fuck that fucking dude. He's a, he's a pussy and he deserved every bit of blowback he got. Uh, because, dude, like, you can, you can say, I don't like this. Uh, he's making a mockery of this. He's not prepared. He should have at least learned their names. You know, be a professional. Those are honest criticism, all, all of which he'll never give a fuck about and don't apply to this person. But if you don't know who Bill Burr is yeah. and you just didn't like the presentation, all of those are warranted. Yeah. You're, you're free to not like somebody. You're free to go on there and say, I don't like this guy. You're free to go on and say, hey, fuck this guy. Yeah. You know. They read the room. We're not we're not here for your comedy shtick. Yeah. And that's that's a okay. Well, and that's the first and foremost thing. People obviously do not get comedians. 
They are trying to get a reaction from you. That is what they want. And so, you know, to that point, he's going to, uh, you know, say things that are outside of most people's general comfort zone. It it makes me sick. Honestly, I mean, just... (laughs) And I don't think I can have, honestly, a very articulate argument about this because it literally does it's like it doesn't warrant one no it's just a reaction at how gay some people can be and we're just mocking them because if you're going to put yourself out there uh on a very public forum like his tweets aren't protected yeah um so it's like you're you want people to see this well we're gonna see it Mm -hmm. bill burr wanted to be seen that's why he took the gig you you responded to him and now because you put it in a public forum just like if anybody wants to shit on us, I mean, this podcast is a public forum. Yeah. It's not behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we are wide ass open to receive all the one stars oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that people can muster up. And we got a review that we'll read at the end. Yeah. Uh, we, got a, we got a new review in, um, which is awesome. But anyway, yeah, if, if, if somebody wanted to do a podcast shooting on this podcast, I would say, we'll find something better to do with your time. Sure. But I get it. This is how things go. If if you didn't want the world shitting on you, don't expose yourself to the world. Yeah. I'm not saying I want the world to shit on me, but if it did, make it funny. Mm-hmm. Make it entertaining. Because I'm definitely not out there saying that people are owning sex servants just because they're married to somebody. Yeah, think about the implication behind that, that tweet. It, it, it's just, you know... Uh, well, anyway, we're not going to spend the whole show on <laughs> tweets. I mean, fucking Christ, it literally is yeah. a, a tweet. It, I don't think it deserved that amount of time, but it was a self-serving opportunity to tell people well, I, I met I met Bill Bear, and uh, he was way more awesome than uh, he comes across on TV. Yeah, and and way more awesome than typical celebrities. Like so. Anyway, kudos to Bill Burr. I'll always love you. Yeah, you but, were, Bill Burr, you were the only entertaining part of the Grammys from what I was able to take in. So one of the big performances that got a lot of attention uh, on purpose, it was 100% set up to receive the highest amount of attention that uh, a Grammy, you know, performance could have. I've said performance 95 times. Um, <laughs> and it was by Lil Baby. Mm. And don't know the name of the song, don't care. Didn't know it before. I ain't going to listen to it again. It, it, it's not It's not geared it, towards me. It didn't inspire you to get right on iTunes and uh, hit that purchase button? I mean, I was about to get a tattoo of a black fist on my forehead as uh. soon as I watched it. it. Anyway, the whole reason why he's getting a lot of attention is it was a very pro-BLM uh, song and performance. Hell, he might even be from Atlanta. I don't know. Basically, the... The, the act starts with a depiction, a recreation, if you will, of how their interpretation of the Rayshard Brooks incident here in Atlanta, outside of a Wendy's. Yeah. And if you don't remember, Rayshard Brooks is the guy who fell asleep, some could say passed out, in the drive through lane at a local Wendy's. Uh, cops show up, he fights with the cops, gets the taser, uses the taser on one of the cops, starts running across the parking lot, turns to fire the taser. Police open fire, shooting and killing him. Subsequently, the next day, that Wendy's got burnt to the fucking ground, and that entire area was, and I think still currently to this day, is still off limits to Whitey. I haven't gone down there to test this to see if it's still 
uh, enacted. But so that's how his performance starts is with that depiction of that event. And it's obviously you can look it up, uh, look it up on YouTube. I'm not going to give you the play by play. But one key component in it that stuck out to me, because a lot of these conservative fucking asshats are just getting caught up on it was pro BLM and it showed them burning down a Wendy's. And, blah, and I, yeah, yeah, obvious shit. You're not groundbreaking. There's a moment in his song where there's a podium set up. Uh, Killer Mike uh, got up and he had a part in the song. But right before that, they had a woman get up and start speaking about, you know, now's the time for change. And uh, we're no longer looking for allies. We're looking for accomplices was the main phrase that I heard that I was like, what the fuck? Mm. Uh, so last year or two years ago, it was be a, be a white ally to now we demand you be an accomplice. Now I don't want to get hung up on definitions of words and shit, mm. but accomplice has a very different meaning than ally. Potentially accompanying a crime. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not the best, uh, you know, tagline for your movement. Yeah. I mean, it hits the nail on the head, though. I'm just glad that I, I just don't know if that's what <laughs> she meant to say. No, that's a hundred. That's 100% yeah. what she meant to say. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people are praising this, saying how brave, how moving, how stirring. They really captured the moment that was the outrage of last summer and the racial inequality in this country. He nailed it. And like he recreated a small moment of what happened all of last summer. We're still very well aware of what happened, what it looked like, what it felt like, and what they were demanding. I didn't need a refresher, but yeah. you did it anyway. I guess good on you. You accomplished that. Yeah. For everybody that's praising, uh, and, and the, the lady that said the accomplice line, her name is Tamika Mallory. Now, anybody who's aware of any of the latest movements, the social justice movements over the last decade, uh, will know that that's a familiar name. She led, she was one of the organizers of the meet or the woman's march. And she caught a lot of shit for not allowing, you know, back when it was believe all women yeah, and, uh, me too. And all that, uh, they weren't letting all women into their movement. If you were conservative or Jewish, sorry, bitches, mm. you gotta go to the back of the bus or to start your own movement. <laughs> the back of the bus. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> she wasn't on board with that shit. Yeah. And so immediately. I already knew that from way back whenever the fuck that was a story. And so I just wrote her off. I was like, oh, she's not a serious person. Yeah. She's a hack. Well, she popped up in this and she was getting all this praise. And I was like, well, let me, let me check the temperature in the room and see what's, what the feel is on this woman. Expecting to see nothing but heaping praise. And I was actually surprised. I came across a story that um, does not feel the way that I was expecting most people to feel, especially other black people, prominent black people. Mm, okay. So I found a story here out of, uh, out of Cleveland. I think it's cleveland.com. It's one of their local uh, news sites up there. But um, if you remember the name Tamir Rice, that is the name of the, uh, the Cleveland um, 
child who was shot and killed by police for having a, a fake gun um, in a park. Uh, there were reports, and I've, I've seen the videos. He was pointing it at people and walking around and, you know, not being smart with it, but it didn't warrant a death sentence, and the cops acted far too violently, far too quickly. And um, it was it was one of the examples of okay, I think that there this one, this one is one that you can actually hold up as hey, we got a problem here. Sure. So the mother of Tamir Rice, uh, and I might mispronounce her name because I'm just reading it. I don't think I've ever heard it, and if I have, I've sadly forgotten it. This is not meant to be offensive, but Samaria Rice rebukes Tamika Mallory and others benefiting off the blood of police brutality victims. And I saw that headline. And I was like, Ooh, I'm not even going to read anymore. I'm going to save this one for the show. So I'm reading this for the first time, just like you're hearing it for the first time. Oh, okay. So here we go. Cleveland, Ohio. Anyone who follows Samaria Rice, uh, the mother of Tamir Rice on social media, got a clear look into the frustration that comes with seeking justice for the death of a child at the hands of police. Rice's latest display of vexation began during Sunday night's Grammy Awards, a performance by rapper Lil Baby of his song, of his song protest, quote, or titled The Bigger Picture, opened with the reenactment of a black man being stopped and ultimately shot by police. Some critics have called the reenactment of the violence traumatizing and unnecessary. Eh, that, and that didn't bother me. While Rice says that she has no problem with Lil Baby or his message. She does have an issue with the presence of activist Tamika Mallory, who delivered a speech during the performance saying, it's time we take a stand. We demand the freedom this land promises. Quote, look at this clout chaser. Quote, Rice said of Mallory in a Facebook post on Monday while sharing the clip of the speech. Quote, did she lose something in this fight? I don't think so. That's the problem. They take us for a joke. That's why we never have justice because of shit like this, unquote. In an interview with Cleveland.com, Rice elaborated on her social media post. She says she feels activists like Mallory, who Rice says she's never met, are benefiting off of the blood of families who've lost loved ones, gaining fame in the process. Who hired them to represent these families, Rice says. She doesn't speak for us. If you were going to do anything, you should have had the mothers on stage so they could speak for themselves. Mallory first gained prominence as one of the lead organizers for the 2017 Women's March, which earned her a spot in Time Magazine. Yeah, we already talked about that. Mallory turned her attention to the Black Lives Matter movement following the highly publicized deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd last year. Tamika Mallory was representing women. So how do you come over in our fight for police brutality, Rice says. I've never met Tamika Mallory, but I don't like the way she's moving. You've seen her over the years, and now her status is elevated. They need to, they need to go get a life and stand back and get up out of our fight. Mm. Damn. This, uh, isn't, this isn't how I thought this would have been taken. <laughs> but uh, basically, all she's doing is she's noticing a trend of when there's highly publicized stories, the grifters will come out of the woodwork yeah. And try to latch themselves on to any movement that has momentum um, to try to make a name for themselves, elevate their status, and make money off of it. Yeah. I don't know all the ins and outs of this particular situation as far as this Mallory person. Yeah. Uh, she's, not, she's not involved in things that really carry much interest from me. So 
But I do know what Miss Rice is talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's a very true thing. And you you see it everywhere. Especially now. Yeah. Uh, I'd say activism the, is yeah. now like a job. It's a career. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And it's, that's why I don't take it seriously. Yeah. So I applaud Miss Rice for, mm-hmm. for calling out, you know, calling it the way she sees it. And you know what? I doubt she's that far off. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. I mean, the the purpose of that whole performance on stage was um, outrage. I mean, it was supposed to elicit a response. And um, I mean, sure, you know, what, what performance art is not for that purpose? And I'm not going to sit here and say that I 100% don't agree with the way that they uh, put across their message. But yes, that quote... Um, I, I think that that, uh, should have been stricken 100%, not to mention, I, I agree with Miss Rice. I mean, anyone who is out there to gain a dime to their pocket is not for the cause. No. The- and, and, but if you are getting a hefty payday, yeah, look behind you for the people that you were fighting for and make sure they're doing okay. Mm. Um, because there's a quote later on that um, I think really hits the nail on the head as far as where Miss Rice is coming from. Sure. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to quote her here. She says, People like Tamika Mallory are making money from this while I'm homeless living in a hotel. If they don't give us justice, we're taking it by any means necessary. That goes for t- the Tamika Mallory's, the Sean King's, the NAACP, ACLU, Al Sharpton or anyone trying to get in our way. Fuck yes. That's a uh, very punk rock of you. Fuck yeah. See, yeah. I'm I'm down with this woman. Yeah. Because she actually suffered a loss mm-hmm. that uh the best way you could put it was a misjudgment by the police. It was a kid with a toy gun, uh, and the police should have conducted themselves in a way where they were able to determine the situation before they just started popping rounds off. Sure. That I will say, uh, at the same time, it's obviously not a good idea to be out in public with anything that looks like a gun pointing it at people. Um, this is a possible outcome from that. However, if you're the mother of this child, you don't give two fucks about any of that. And I totally get it. Yeah. And for her to be watching what's going on throughout the country and seeing Every corporation sucking the dick of any movement uh, that's moving in this direction. They're changing the names of roads. There's, you know, every, everything that is pushing in that direction. And she's uh, literally living in a hotel. Like, you're not taking care of your own people that you're claiming that you're fighting for. Yeah. You're, you're kind of exposing how fucking bullshit and fake you actually are. Yeah. Um. But the fact that she called out <laughs> Sean King, if anybody knows anything about Sean King, I think that guy is a pile of trash. Uh, and also, you know, Al Sharpton, ACLUs. Yeah. I think they're all full of shit. I think they're all fake phonies and they are race baiters. Yeah. I mean, especially Sharpton. I mean, he, he's, he's made a career mm-hmm. on, uh, you know... Uh, making outlandish claims usually in the opposite of what people were saying 
to fit his narrative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a giant piece of shit. Yeah. So anyway, good on her. Uh, but let's, okay, we got we to gotta move this along. We're still on the fucking Grammys. Yeah, and well, and there's still definitely a Grammy performance that bears some. So the the biggest the, <laughs> oh bears the some biggest news that came out of the Grammys was Cardi B yeah. and and her performance of WAP on well <laughs> on CBS. So it's not even so much the performance and like the pearl clutching or the the you know the scissoring on a oversized bed that really got me going. Uh, apparently, it's also empowering. Oh, of that, course. That, yes. So there's a dichotomy here that I don't fully understand. This is celebrated by the left who opposes, you know, uh, misogyny and de- degrading women, treating women as sex objects, while at the same time, they're pro, they're sex positive and they're pro sex work and. You know, get that money, honey. Like, you don't know anybody a thing. You're a strong, independent female. They're naturally conflicting ideals in the same, you know, in the same area. It's retarded. Yeah. So Candace Owens, the famed conservative personality, whatever. Personality. Yeah. Came on Tucker Carlson, who was on Fox News, uh, to talk about her reaction to the Cardi B performance. And when I mentioned a minute ago about the pearl clutching, this is the pinnacle example of pearl clutching, which I think is just fucking retarded. About it. They call this great. They say this is fabulous, that this is, this is the stuff that children should be aspiring towards. So at the same time, Tucker, that we have kids that are not learning hard academics anymore in school, right? Forget about mathematics and science. You can trust the science and trust Dr. Fauci. But you have these kids learning about critical race theory. You know, they're learning that they should aspire to people like Cardi B. That you, you see that fundamentally we are seeing the destruction of American values, American principles. And it's terrifying. I think parents should be terrified that this is the direction that our society is heading towards. And again, we are weak America. That's that's really what we should be talking about. This is a weakening of American society. We are setting the stage and it feels like we are looking at corrosion, like we are about to see the end of an empire. America cannot survive. It cannot be sustained under these sorts of values and principles. So we'll just react to this real quick uh, before I get into what this kicked off on Twitter. Yeah. But I understand where she's coming from. She's talking about this doesn't build a society this doesn't build a strong culture this doesn't you know this isn't good for kids yeah um yep get all that and you know what those are valid points like mm-hmm. i said before wop is a song that belongs in titty bars where chicks are naked yeah. and dudes are throwing you know cash at them it was a song made for that um cardi b is a former stripper she knows how to make stripper music yeah shocker um so yeah no this I don't think that something like this is meant for children. I think that people that play this shit for their four-year-olds and their four-year-olds are singing it and they're making TikToks and laughing. I'm like, well, that kid's going to probably grow up to not be, uh, you know, top of the class. But yeah, but I mean, I get so sick and tired of this whole, this is not indicative of American values. And it's like, you know, the overarching American value, to me, freedom. Oh, Above yeah, no. it, all totally. else, 
And sorry, you know, anytime somebody calls out religion and, you know, um, expression that we should not be, uh, you know, doing things a certain way, fuck off. To, to me, you know, you are. All those things are not directly to me implied within what America is. Uh, the the spirituality thing, all, all of that. I mean, to me, it's all about freedom. At the end of the day, though, <laughs> if your child ends up seeing that performance, if you've lost your children enough to the point that uh, they're not able to be saved from, you know, that, you already lost as a parent, I think. Well, I'm not a parent, so I'm not going to speak on that. I will say... I'm not one either. I mean, so, I, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you about the freedom thing. Um, here's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say somebody is wrong and somebody is right. Sure. Uh, you're both right. What, okay. Car- what, what Candace is saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's talking about a part of American culture, but WAP and Cardi B is also a part of American culture. Exactly. You know, smut and uh, uh, sexual fantasies and inappropriateness, pushing the limit, um, you know, not being Sunday school approved. That's American too. Well, chicks up there shaking their asses to hip-hop songs is just as American as somebody being concerned about chicks up there shaking their asses to hip-hop songs. Yeah. They're, both as, they're both American as fuck. Sure. Well, but all I know is, is the amount of shame, the amount of, you know, shaking your finger at us for any type of enjoying erotic, you know, uh, performance of any kind or representation, that's one of the biggest problems with our country. The fact that violence upon, just, you know, tons of violence can still get you a PG, maybe PG-13 movie, but automatically any sex is pretty much an R rating. To me, this... That is one of the great, biggest reasons why we have jackasses shooting up Asian spas is because you are creating a environment where your sexuality is an enemy, where any type of expression in that area is sinful. And to me, you are creating so many more horrible individuals for how much they are being taught to push down inside of them what they are, what they feel. And, you know, it's sadness to me. I mean, shame is healthy up to a point, but there is that point where it turns the corner and creates murderers, creates uh, individuals are going to go on top of a bell, a bell tower and start opening fire. These are, to me, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here in total support of her performance. I thought it was, you know, hilarious and awesome for what it was. But 
I don't also at the same time think that it's the enemy of the people, that this is going to create anything acidic or, you know, um, detrimental to our youth. Well, I'll, I'll say this much. They're both, like I said, they're both right. Candace is right. Cardi's right. I, I see it as, uh, is it going to create killers? Is it going to create, you know, the future strippers? Uh, there's going to be a lot of other things that factor into that. Um, do, if your goal is to build a strong moral society, does Cardi B doing WAP help? No. If you're trying to live in a free society where you're free to uh, indulge, uh, does Candace Owens and her way of thinking going to help that? No. But we're not, we're, we're trying to accomplish both. So they're both right. Yeah. Um, but it is pearl clutching to the highest order because I remember in the mid to late 90s, there was something moving up the charts in popularity. Uh, that I was a huge fan of, and I believe you were as well, and that was professional wrestling. Oh, yeah. WCW and WWF at the time. Yeah. Um, it was the Monday Night Wars. You had Monday Night Raw. It was WWF over on the USA Network. Thanks. We're now going to get sued by the World Wildlife Federation. <laughs> hey, I, I'm dead naming uh, an organization <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. I know. Um. But you had the Monday Night Wars. You had Nitro yeah. on TNT. You had Raw on USA, and they were head-to-head competitors. Yeah. And so they amped up the sensationalism to try to garner viewers. Yeah. It was open competition, and they were doing everything. They, they were pulling out every dirty trick, uh, bikini matches, lingerie matches, setting people on fire, doing crazy oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It was fucking awesome. But I Incredible. remember. I remember at the time. Uh, 60 Minutes doing specials and A&E doing like biographies on uh, the different wrestlers, like the dark side. There's this whole show on Vice now, Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, but back then they were looking at it as, is this a sign of a culture in decline? If this is the way people are choosing to be entertained and to entertain themselves, this sure looks a lot like the Romans in the Colosseum. All the same arguments they were about to make later on, just a few years down the road about UFC, they started it with professional wrestling, with how smutty it was, and how there was a tinge of violence and sex in the same area, and what that would do to young adolescents' minds. And this was a sign of a society uh, collapsing. I, I remember that vivid as fuck. Yeah. We... We're still here. Society's still here. Now, is it a little shaky? Sure, but <laughs> nobody, and I mean nobody, yeah. that is protesting in the streets, or Car Cardi B has no fucking clue who, uh, or who Shawn Michaels is, or that he came out to, I'm a sexy boy, with a girl having an orgasm on the backtrack yeah. of his intro song. She doesn't know two shits about wrestling. So did wrestling cause Cardi B? No. Was wrestling a sign of the, uh, the end times for our society? No. Well, and I'd almost say that the individuals you were talking to talking about just a moment ago, the, uh, you know, TV personalities, uh, bringing these things up, hypothesizing these issues, they're just as much a part of the problem as the problem itself. And I, I mean, it, it 
I, I bring that up from the, again, it's from the stance of creating uh, such a shameful backdrop over something that should, we should be creating more of a sex positive environment, I feel like. And um, I think we're about as sex positive as you can get. I, I think you're not going to win everybody over. You're always going to have detractors. You're not going to have everybody on board with whatever the fuck you do. So you just got to know that when you put things out there, you're going to catch shit and you just keep moving on. Well, when I say sex positive, though, I mean in the way that, uh, you know, we we react to things like this. Um, I, I think shame is a uh, huge you know, it's something used a lot of the time. And, you know, Europe is, or, you know, I, I guess I would utilize France as a place where, you know, they are a lot more comfortable with that within their art, within their society. And I'd also say that people tend to be more comfortable with their sexuality when it's not being perverted in their eyes, creating, making it something that it's not. Well, yeah, that, that's all about culture. You know, sure. they, they have nudity in their commercials. They're raised from a young age, not freaking out that there's exposure of skin. Yeah. We act like that's still a bad thing. Therefore, when we see it, uh, people freak out and clutch pearls. That's to me, I, I totally get it. I, that wasn't even the, the biggest part of it the the, sure. the entertaining part that came out of this <laughs> was the twitter beef that immediately yeah. spawned off uh between cardi and candace owens because of her spot on fox news yeah and it started when cardi saw this uh that same segment i just played and she goes yay we made fox news guys wop 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 <laughs> yeah which honestly <laughs> is a great response I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, Candace saw that and she said, just at me next time directly. You are a cancer cell to culture. Young black girls are having their minds poisoned by what you're trying to package and sell them as empowerment. I am one of the few that has the courage to tell you the truth. You should thank me. Now, if you know anything about Cardi B, you know that that's not going to be received well. No. Candace knows Cardi. Yeah. Candace actually supported Cardi when she was coming up. Yes, she did. She, she said, this girl's a revolutionary. She gets In it. In fact, within the Twitter uh, beef, I think that was referenced as well. It was. Yeah. So it, I'm not going to read them all because this shit went on for about 18 fucking hours. Yeah. And not all of them are worthy of my time. But I'm just going to highlight a few. So another one from Candace Owens following up. The, and plus, Cardi B deleted half of the fucking tweets that she sent. So... Sorry, I didn't capture them when they happened. But anyway, Candace writes again, the reason my comments always get you into your feelings is because deep down, you know what I'm saying is true. You are in a position to empower young women to aspire to something more than taking off their clothes, but you don't feel that you can be more. Ah, here we go. So Cardi B writes, matter, and I'm going to try to read it uh, where I'm going to, put grammar in it uh, oh, cardi b doesn't really give a flying fuck about that kind of shit maybe i should just actually read it exactly how she wrote it that, that would be more entertaining i say i don't know if i'm going to be appropriating <laughs> somebody else's culture but uh-oh anyway i don't give a fuck yeah matter of fact i'm just going to thank candy 
She put my performance on Fox News, giving it more views that boosted the views on YouTube and is counting towards my streams and sales with a tongue out emoji. Stream up and WAP. Remember, grown parents, only you can monitor what your kids watch. No one else. Again, they're, neither one of them are wrong. No. All right. So Candace replies to that and says, I don't work for Fox News, nor do I take issue with you having success. I take issue with you being used to encourage young women to strip themselves of dignity. Men typically treat women how they treat themselves. You know that. Again, both right, both being catty as fuck, but that's what yeah. makes it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so Cardi B brings up a naked picture of Melania Trump and is like, you seem to be a Trump supporter. Do you have a problem with this? And, and so basically, uh, Cardi says, you know, speaking about Melania, uh, saying, I'm obsessed. She's my idol. She showed me I can be naked, perform WAP, and still be first lady one day. And then she goes in to make some, what, only white women can be naked, blah, blah, blah. So Candace comes back and says, you're insecure, and I irk you because I see right through the facade. You are a part of a larger cancer that is manifesting in black culture. I don't know about that, but anyway. There's no person in America who can look you in the face and honestly say they wish their daughters turned out like you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if I disagree with that statement. I don't think there's any fathers of the year yeah. out there that are hoping their daughters turn out like Cardi B. I think uh-huh. that's honest. Yeah. You know, again, like I said, WAP is to be played in a strip club. It mm. would fucking slap in a strip club. It very much would. But daughters or dads don't want their daughters to grow up to be strippers. So you're, no. But there's always going to be some. So anyway, anyway, so continuing on with this Twitter beef, <laughs> Candace writes, you always love to mention my husband's skin tone. So let me ask what oh, <laughs> this Candace Owens flies very close to the sun on this one. Oh, like, like touches it a little bit. Okay. So she says, you always love to mention my husband's skin tone. So let me ask, what color are the people that are encouraging you to strip in front of the world? Who owns your record labels? Who owns CBS and the Grammys? Who made the most money off of your WAP? You sold it to who? Question mark. And I was like, oh God, I'm dead. <laughs> because, I mean, she's what Candace is saying is, you're, you work for white people. You're yeah. making white people rich. Of course. That's, this, that's the nicest, simplest way that it can be interpreted. Because what the way I read it is, uh, <laughs> if you're asking who owns your record labels, uh, Jews. Uh, who owns CBS and the Grammys? Jews and Jews. And who has made the most money off of your WAP? Also Jews. I mean, so it's like... <laughs> Candace, you're getting a little close uh, to uh, the JQ there. Just uh, saying, you might. You're about to touch into waters that no attorney is going to defend you from, <laughs> uh, except for maybe you know <laughs> Richard Spencer's attorney, maybe. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so Cardi B comes back because <laughs> in this, Candace is talking about you're 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 slapping your vagina against another woman's vagina, and you call that you know performance. So 
Cardi says, now you're talking about two women thrusting their vaginas together while your husband and brother slap cock and balls together? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, well, would you look at that now? (laughs) And so Cardi takes two screenshots that she's gotten. Yeah. Uh, that's supposed one supposed to be a tweet from Candace Owens <laughs> uh, last October. Yeah, November, I thought. Oh, yeah, last November, November yeah. 16th. <laughs> and she's saying, look, you obviously know about this. Here's a tweet. And the tweet that she sent, obviously it's doctored, it's Photoshop, it's fake as fuck. Yeah. First of all, if Candace tweeted anything even close to this, it would have we would have covered it. Oh yeah, no, she for sure did not say this. I can almost guarantee it. So the tweet that Cardi thinks is real, yeah, goes as follows: supposedly from Candace Owens. Yes, my husband did cheat on me with my brother. Yes, he said no when I asked to join them. Ooh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, come on, Cardi. Do, uh-huh. do you actually? Poor girl's dumb. <laughs> so so that was supposed to be her closing argument. Her last yeah. stand like boom, got you bitch. Now what? Your your husband's fucking your brother. Wow. That is and a claim. Not only that, but you wanted to be in a sexual activity with your brother. Yeah, you were you were shot down when you <laughs> asked to join. Like this is yeah. so obviously not real. <laughs> and and I'm just like, "Cardi, yeah. sweetheart, you're you're obviously fucking stupid. Like you might be at this moment. Yes. <laughs> she's not a brilliant person. She's, she's a gifted rap artist. Uh-huh. Wow. Congrats. You're, you're not anybody. I'm going to take much advice outside of music. Sorry. I'm just sorry. You, you have a place. Uh, uh, there, there's a person or there's a time and place for everything. And that was kind of what I was going to get back to a minute ago is like, these two people are not supposed to live in the same world and engage with each other. No. Cardi is the the best in her arena, which Candace has no business being in. And Candace is obviously very gifted at grifting as a conservative. Cardi has no business being in that world either. Yeah. Two very separate worlds just split up. But if you're going to clash... Make it entertaining, and I'm sorry. Oh, it's entertaining. Talking about your husband and brother slap cock and balls together? Jesus Christ, <laughs> Cardi. Now, we'll wrap this up quickly, because this is, uh, this is going no, on No, I long. do have a theory, potentially, just that I almost feel like this is a setup. Just, um, I mean, as far as I know, Candace has got a TV show start- starting soon. Mm-hmm. And it would not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, March, March 19th. Yeah. Uh, it would not be outside of the realm of possibility that someone would create fake, you know, outcry to create a ratings booster for their new show. Well, Candace mentions that in a later tweet that I don't have where she says, oh, well, thank you, Cardi. You got me a lot of attention so that I can now promote my show. Yeah. Cardi and... Candace have beef like every three months. Yeah. I, we just must be in a, uh, the first cycle of them having beef for 2021. This isn't anything new. This is just the most entertaining that I've found. Yeah. And so, but because it's a, 
So Candace says, I'm literally laughing out loud. Cardi, my dear, that is clearly photoshopped. Uh, only one of us has a husband that sleeps around. Ooh, again, tr- <laughs> again, true. Yeah. And so it ends with this. So somebody, some rando just uh, type, you know, posted, just sue her already to Candace. And Candace says, yes, just spoke with my family. I'm 100% suing Cardi for that nonsense. <laughs> you can't just start throwing out wild lies against private members of my family because you're upset someone called you out on your degenerate performance. I'll keep you all posted. Um, this is where it actually could get real. Yeah. Because this is def- defamatory. Yeah. Because it's not like she just posted it and left it. She posted it uh, and then backed it up with multiple more tweets that I'm not going to read you because Jesus fucking Christ, how long can this go? But uh, no, she backed it up and said, oh, whatever, whatever. You're just saying this because I got you or whatever. And and there's about 16 hours of malicious intent going back and forth. And so if you look into, I'm sure a good attorney, you know, that Candace should be able to hire, um, will be able to take a look at this and see where it goes. It might not go anywhere, but to take it from Cardi B doing WAP on the Grammys, which to me, WAP has no business on the fucking Grammys. Um, but she did it. Yeah. And then for it to spill over to Fox News and then back onto Twitter and then the back and forth to Twitter with Cardi throwing the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys and then now possibly getting sued. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck it. The Grammys suck dick. There's no doubt about it. Oh, it was terrible. But the fact that it gave us that, thank you, Grammys. <laughs> no, and yeah. It, it, because I'm, I'm telling you, the, the Twitter beef got way more eyes oh, on it than the yeah. Grammys. Because here's, here's the news that came out in Variety um, the next day. TV ratings. Grammy Awards hit record low, down nearly 53% compared to just last year's show. Yeah, and it was already shit last year. Yeah. I mean, people already weren't watching at that point. Yeah, it's, you know... Mu- in the article, music's biggest night delivered an average of 8.8 million viewers for the network during the ceremony's uh, broadcast on Sunday night with a 2.1 rating in the key, blah, 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 blah. In comparison, the time zone adjusted for national charts for 2020's Grammys Awards drew a 5.4 rating. So the, basically what they're saying, I'll just get down to the numbers. They Last year, they had 18.7 million viewers. In 2019, they had 19.9 million viewers. And this year, they had 8.8. Down over half. Yeah. So nobody was into this social justice warrior music performance. It's, it's not as popular as people think it is uh, to the point where the crowd that typically watches award shows who will tend to lean um, more in one direction than the other. It's not even popular amongst them. No, you know, to mix WAP with BLM movements. And it's like, no, no, no. Even we're not on board with all this. I think we're all being sold a little bit of a bill of goods here. Um, but the fact that it's not popular, ain't going to stop it. It's, it no. it's still going to keep on trucking. So 
All right. That was Grammy talk. But speaking of going back a few minutes, going back to Tucker Carlson, uh, he's under a bit of backlash, um, a bit of targeted backlash. There is a concerted effort to take him down because he is the highest threat to the, um, well, I guess to Democrats, to the establishment. He's being called as uh, the new Trump. He, ah. is, he, he is now just as bad as Trump, and he needs to be exposed for being such. He's got better hair than Trump. Well, that's undoubtable. I think most people do. <laughs> but I have a couple of video clips here that I'm going to play that goes into explaining what I'm talking about. This comes from CNN. I have come to one inescapable conclusion about the GOP and the media. I want to see if you agree or disagree with me. Even though Republicans are out of power right now, the use of the media, their use of the media, has a major impact on the Democrats and on political dysfunction. So this, what I'm about to say, directly impacts President Biden and his administration. All right. Are you ready for it? Here's my conclusion. Tucker Carlson is the new Donald Trump. Tucker has taken Trump's place as a right-wing leader, as an outrage generator, as a fire starter. And it's all happening on Fox, just like Trump's campaign did. Which means Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch are ultimately responsible. I mean, think about all the ways these two men are similar. Every day, Carlson is throwing bombs, making online memes, offending millions of people, also delighting millions of others, tapping into white male rage and resentment, uh, stoking uh, distrust of big tech in the media, generally coarsening the discourse, never apologizing for anything, and setting the GOP's agenda. Sounds like a recently retired president, right? Even before the 2020 election, there was informed speculation about Carlson as a 2024 candidate. Of course, some of Carlson's detractors say, he's just a troll, he's just really good at ticking people off. But isn't that what they said about Trump for years? Yes, Tucker is known to critique Trump and the Republican Party from time to time. This time last year, he was at Mar-a-Lago trying to convince Trump to take COVID more seriously. Oh, well, he almost sounds reasonable there at the end. But he it, sounds a lot like a valley girl as he's uh, notating some of these things. Oh, he's a total bitch. Fuck yeah. Brian Stelter. He's, <laughs> he is useless to everyone that can ever hear his voice. Yeah. Um, but not useless here. We will make fun of him <laughs> anytime I see him say something really fucking dumb. Yeah. This is a clear um, example of we don't have a boogeyman. Let's go find the next one. Trump is gone. Who can we fill our time with? Hate. Who's the next guy we're going to hate? Yeah. And Tucker has to be that guy. Not because Tucker uh, is, is some demagogue, but because he's the number one guy on cable news. Yeah. More so than anybody that CNN has. That's their competition. Yeah. Yeah. It, of course. This is one corporation going after their biggest competitor. This is business. Sure. This is not news. This is not information. This is nothing that should, should sway your opinion one way or another other than the sources of your so-called information are in it for money. True. And they are and, losing money. And, you know, 
I will maintain, you know, I never once saw a whole program of Tucker Carlson until I moved here uh, in this house. And uh, on his own, without context, um, yeah, he sounds reprehensible. But then once you actually watch the show and see, there, there, there's this, uh, you know, shtick he has the entire time. And you compared him perfectly um, where it's like, you know, I liken watching Tucker Carlson to when you used to watch um, uh, Colbert, mm-hmm. the Colbert Report. Yeah. Um, because it's almost a continuation in a way of the character that Colbert was. Now, I'm not saying that Tucker doesn't agree with the shit that he's shoveling, but I would agree with the fact that he's very aware uh, of how he's coming across. He's also very aware. Uh, I mean, it's basically tongue in cheek. It's almost like any one of his um, usual viewers. It's almost like most of the shit he says is like a, you know, nudge with the elbow. Like, eh, eh, you know? Yeah. And so. <laughs> he's to be taken with a grain of salt. Because exactly. he's an entertainer. Yeah. For a corporation dancing to make his bosses money under the auspice of giving you information and a perspective and to change your mind and, and mold your mind and form your opinions. That's, that's what they're, that's what they're approaching you as. That's what they're selling you. Yeah. But it's not what you have to buy. It's up to the, the viewer to take him at his word at all times or to understand the character that he's playing. Yeah. That's why when you break this down and just look at it as these are two corporations battling for revenue, you don't look at it as so much like, you know what? Brian Stelter's right. He is a lot like Trump. It's like, no, Tucker's, he's he's a person who gets paid to get your attention. Yeah. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's a performance, no different than WAP. No. Except he keeps his pants on. Thankfully. Yeah. But it yeah. has the same effect on our culture or society. If, if you don't like it, you think it's going to tear us apart. If you don't see anything wrong with it, then you just move on with your day. Yeah. And that's pretty much all it is. But because, and it's only because he's the number one most popular person on all of cable news. There's not a single person that comes close. Um, and also, it just so happens that CNN, much like the Grammys, have lost about half of their viewers since Trump left office. Yep. They are hurting. Bad. They need to find a way to, if you can't get viewers, then the only thing left to do, and this says a lot more about CNN than Fox News, is if you can't get viewers, then your goal must be to take theirs away. Yeah. I'm not going to in- improve upon what we're supplying because that requires effort work and well thought yeah but because we're not capable of doing that shit nor do we care to we just want to try to take theirs away and fox news does all does this to cnn all the time too sure 
And in that case, it's more of like the big kid on the playground beating up on the smaller kid now that Trump's not in office. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, going back to the Monday Night Wars, when when Trump was in office, they were WCW at their prime. And for about four years, they were able to stand toe-to-toe, sometimes beating Fox News for Mm -hmm. viewership because shitting on Trump was popular. You know, having Hollywood Hulk Hogan come out and do a leg drop and spray paint NWO on somebody's back was popular for a number of years. But yeah. eventually, when the old people, when the old shtick left, they had nothing. And But see, yeah, this feels a lot like the WCW death rattle. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you, you can try all you want. This is not going to do anything. No, this is the equivalent of Vince Russo taking over WCW and spending his whole time shitting on Vince McMahon. Yeah. You got you got the Vince Russo and Brian Stelter just shitting on the Vince McMahon that is Tucker Carlson saying, look at how Fox News is acting. This, this is bullshit. I know that guy. He doesn't really believe this. And it's like, yeah, but they're kicking your ass. And see, and that's in the same week that John Oliver does a 20-minute segment on how Tucker Carlson is the perfect racist. Yeah, I would equivalent, I, I would make the equivalation. <laughs> Equivocation? Yes, to ECW in this stance. But ECW is fucking awesome, and John Oliver doesn't deserve that comparison. <laughs> but it's funny you mentioned John Oliver. Because all he did and all he ever does and all that most all these news agencies do is clickbait uh, clip presentations that are wildly out of context. Oh, yeah. To make their point using their opponent's words say what they want them to say. And in that spirit, I'm going to let you know, well, I'm, take it from me. This is 100% John Oliver saying what I'm about to play. Diversity isn't our strength. Immigrants make our country poorer, dirtier, and more divided, and any attempt to change that culture is an attack on Western civilization. You know what, John Oliver? I mean, shit, man. (laughs) If I didn't know any better, I'd say you're a white supremacist. Those were his words. They were. Can you believe that he's out of context? (laughs) I did to John Oliver what John Oliver does to everybody else. Uh huh. You can go fuck yourself, John Oliver. You'd been here too long. Yeah. Now get on a plane and fly back to Mary Poppins land. Yeah. You might have been looking for me to join in with the horrible British accent. No, I was. But mine would be sad. Doing a John Oliver. (laughs) I know. I I got you. Segue. (laughs) That's the that's the most honorable thing I can do for John Oliver. There you go. Fuck that limey fucking cunt. Uh, Because cunt's not a bad word in England. No, it's not. Um, But yeah, yeah. Fuck John Oliver. He he's a grifter as well. Uh, just making a career peddling one side of a story saying that it's the only absolute truth. Uh, I mean, I have fun with John Oliver. I think his show can be mildly entertaining and funny at times. And I I think there is a point in which um, he realizes he's just about as valuable as The Daily Show, where it's like, please don't get your news here. Let this be. And I'll even just kind of caution you here as well. This could be supplemental. 
But I mean, no, I mean, that might be what they say. Sure. But you know that John Stewart believes what he says. And John Oliver also holds those same opinions. But if we put a punchline in between, hey, we're not the news. We're not, we're not telling you what to think. We're just an entertainment show. Now, you see John Oliver the same way I see Tucker Carlson. They're both entertainers. They're both characters. They're both doing a shtick. No, I see, I see Tucker, Tucker Carlson the same way. I hate John Oliver's politics. Therefore, I'm not a fan of John Oliver. Mm-hmm. I agree more, not entirely, but more with Tucker Carlson's politics. That's why I, I can appreciate Tucker. And I think, you know, uh, juxtaposed, you know, we're, we're the same, just opposite. And that you, you, you do get a little bit more pushback and like, you know, Tucker's on and ah, fuck, I'm leaving the room. Um, I don't think I do that anymore. Anyway, <laughs> you hate Tucker the same way I hate John Oliver. And I like Tucker. Uh, as much as you like John Oliver, and we see them a lot in a similar way. I would, uh, you know, up to this last year, I would have agreed with that. I, I very much think that, uh, I, you know, I don't love Tucker, but I very much don't have any detestation really for him at the same time anymore either. And plus. My politics with John Oliver, especially with, I mean, I've said this so many times, I'm going to be a broken record, but just where our politics, uh, I've seen everything going, how I see the hypocrisy, how I've seen the media play both sides, searching to make sure that we are pushed further and further to opposite poles, it's disgusting to me. So... Still, even that, I am a much uh, less of a fan of John Oliver than I was previously, because I'm starting to see kind of the boneyard of mm. the shit that he was talking about and realizing, yeah, I did not have the full story. The context wasn't there. And so... You, you saw him do what I just did to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... I mean, I don't get up and walk out of the room when Tucker Carlson's on because of the fact that I am starting to understand, you know, what his, uh, you know, mo is. Like I, I'll be honest with you, I'll, sure. and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll mend the bridge that I just torched. <laughs> I like Bill Maher way more than I like John Oliver. Okay, and I, I understand. Uh, why people hate Tucker. I get it. Yeah. Because I despise John Oliver because it's a one person show talking to the camera. He's not having a conversation with anybody else. He doesn't ever bring on any guests. Uh, anytime he does, it's pre-scripted and it's pre-planned and it, it's carrying itself in a way where he is trying to change minds. Bill Maher, he has people on, he yeah. has discussions and he's not British. Here's one thing, and I'm going to be dead honest. I don't give okay. two fuck. And you know why I'm not going to get canceled for this? Because well, okay. I'm talking about a majority white country. But if there's one thing I can't fucking stand is when there are British people or Canadians, 
and I love Canadians and I love British people. I have British friends, I have Canadian friends that this isn't, this isn't an attack against them. But what I fucking am tired of are people from uh, other countries coming to America who are still citizens of those other countries coming to America and taking part in our politics and, and trying to tell us all the ways that they think it should be done better. Yeah. It's like, Hey, fuck you, dude. Yeah. If, if, if you want to come here and talk about our sports because you're a sports fan and you want to shit on the Falcons, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But if you're talking about politics, you're talking about how this country is, uh, to be run. That that's the decision that we the people should be involved in, not them the they's that aren't. You know, I'm sorry, well, but I'd say almost especially the Brits. Just after the fact that uh, their big guy looks like Trump, if uh, he took, you know, routine shocks from of electricity, yeah, on a daily basis, like. Like, sure, you're free to do it. Like the Steven Crowders or whatever, you're free sure. to come down here and and start talking as though you're an authority on American politics. But the balls, the <laughs> balls, it would like if I were to go to Mexico and all of a sudden start up an Internet show just shitting all over Mexican politics. How long do you think they would sit there and go, hey, this gringo is making some good points, man? Or do you think they would say, <laughs> I think it's time to go pay his ass a visit? Oh, well. People in people in countries don't like to be told how that country should be run by a bunch of foreigners. That's all I'm saying. Accurate. So, um, fuck John Oliver, and Bill Maher's not as bad as him. <laughs> okay. But anyway, let's get into what is the latest, I don't know, outrage around uh, Tucker Carlson. No, if there's anything that I enjoy more than anything else, it's definitely outrage. Oh yeah, it's the it's the theme of the week. But uh, the the latest, I don't know, reason why everybody's all up in their shit about uh, Tucker, other than what we've already discussed, is uh, he made some apparently off color comments about pregnant women in the military, and uh, we'll get to we'll get to the reaction here in a minute. But just for transparency. We'll actually play, uh, well, I won't say in its entirety, but we'll play exactly what Tucker said. There you go. Sounds like what's good for the goose is good for the gander. China won't explain the reasoning behind this plan, but there are some clues. Last year, we learned that China has quickly developed the world's largest naval force. In 2015, China had 255 battle force ships. Now they have more than 360. And many of those ships are more capable than anything in the American naval fleet. So how are we responding to this? Well, at the White House yesterday, Joe Biden addressed it effectively. What's the American military's response? Here's what Joe Biden said. Some of it's relatively uh, straightforward work, where we're making good progress, designing body armor that fits women properly, tailoring combat uniforms for women creating maternity flight suits, updating, uh, updating requirements for their st hairstyles. And some of it is going to take an, uh, you know, an, an intensity of purpose <laughs> and mission. To, to, to really today, Joe. And habits <laughs> cause women to leave the military. So 
we've got new hairstyles and maternity flight suits. Pregnant women are going to fight our wars. It's a mockery of the U.S. military. In essence, that's what he said. Or at least that was the portion of what he said that got the the backlash from everybody, uh, namely the military. Well, but uh, how is this? And I, I know I'm, you know, I'm already going to get backlash or people just being like, well, you know how the media works kind of thing. But still, it's hilarious that, you know, uh, uh, 12 months ago, maybe, you know, I, I forget exactly when Trump came out with uh, Space Force. And people are going fucking insane about how stupid it is. Though, every military on this planet has some kind of division directed towards the same process. He's just fucking loony because he gives a whole new, I guess, special force to it. He gives it a little flair. But the whole space race and the, the race to the moon was between Russia and America during the height of the Cold sure. War yeah. to show our dominance and our capabilities that you could transfer what we could do in space to military acts on the ground. Yeah, it's but, no different. No, I, I agree. But, uh, you know, what? my whole point in this is, you know, the Democrats get to laugh at Trump for buffoonery and not understanding enough about the military, thinking it's fucking idiotic. But as soon as our not-president, Tucker Carlson makes a, uh, I don't know, an observation, which is what he's exactly paid to fucking do, unlike what our most of our politicians do, which is not do what they're fucking paid to do. So it's almost like, you know, one individual was actually taking their career seriously. Well, what a dichotomy we live in. But speaking of people that get paid to do things, well, he's just a guy on CNN. It's Don Lemon. But he, I'm going to play this clip. I might pause it somewhere uh, if I feel like I need to, but it goes for a few minutes. And uh, let's let's immediately be corrected, Arona. We have thought incorrectly. We've we've exhibited wrong think, and now we should atone. Please school me. Joining me now, uh, one of the incredible women who put her life at risk to protect this country, and that is Major M.J. Hagar. Thank you so much, Major. I really appreciate you you joining us this evening, and thank you for your service. So you're a woman and a veteran. What was going through your mind when you heard those comments? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, A couple things went through my mind. One, clearly he's never served. Um, You know, I was involved with the fight to open ground combat jobs to women. And we found a lot of times, and in my own combat experience, I found that the people who were the loudest um, against it were the people who've never served in combat. I I would say that those who have experience, you know, with the bullets flying and really in the mix, um, don't care what color you are, what gender you are, who you love, what your politics are. Competence is everything. Can this person cover my six? That's all we care about. Um, so you find like the real operators not weighing in and 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 saying these types of things, but the the wannabes or the people who are um, insecure. Really, what's going on here is people like Tucker Carlson see a pregnant woman warrior who, by the way, we don't send um, you know eight nine month pregnant women into combat anyway. The flight suits are because. Uh, people are serving in a job, and the flight suit is an indicator of that job. Um, it's also something that you earn through going through pilot training and that type of thing. 
All right, real quick. There's there's a lot there. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I'm glad to know that we don't send eight and nine month pregnant women to battle. But uh-huh. what about seven month or yeah. six or five or you know? Obviously, look, I'm not an idiot. I know we don't have pregnant women in combat positions. The thing that Tucker said about pregnant women are going to fight our wars. He was being obviously facetious That's in a manner. Obvious hyperbole. Yeah. If if you don't know that, and even if you're a Tucker fan, if you're a conservative, if you're a Fox News patriot, and you're like, yeah, right on, Tucker. Well, I mean, use your noggin. That's that's never happened. We don't send pregnant women to battle. Yeah. Um, but th- this this major with Don Lemon immediately saying, uh, you know, most of the people that have anything negative to say about the military have never served. Okay, so hmm. so are people just not allowed to say anything negative about the military? Or are the civilians who the military is here to protect not allowed to speak up about how the military conducts itself? Is that am I to imply that or am I being overreaching? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I hear the complaint all the time. It's not new, uh, especially I, I recall, especially uh, when there was a string of military rapes and. Uh, you know, plenty of people brought up that the individuals involved in said rapes should be brought upon an independent uh, jury instead of, you a know, a military, a military tribunal. And even at that point, we were told, you're not in the military, shut the fuck up. So, I mean, yeah, there is a lot of times this brotherhood kind of get the fuck out of our yard kind of thing, which. On one hand, I do understand, but on the other hand, this is how conversation works. If we're wrong, then tell us why. It's not calling you out or besmirching your service to ask questions. Yeah. In fact, it almost sounds, dare I say, patriotic. Well, it's... This is a topic I would love to discuss further with David, our buddy David over at Through the Muck and the Mire, who is a veteran who's currently uh, in the National Guard. I I know that he's would likely have an opinion on this, so look for that in well potential future episodes or maybe over on his channel. I might even go bombard his channel and ask him uh, some things, but. Because I've never served in the military, neither of you, we're just here pontificating like two normal jackasses. Well, that's no different than any other episode, but sure. uh, Then telling the people that they have no say and how the military is to to operate or anything like that seems a little bit of like, hey, you're not us. We're the fucking military. Just sit the fuck over there and shut the fuck up. We're going to do what we want, and we don't need your approval. We don't want your uh, approval, and we sure as shit don't want your uh, your opinions. Your opinions are meaningless to us. We, we are on a mission from God. We answer to no one. We definitely don't answer yeah. to American civilians. Ew. Oh, my God, yeah. It's like, well, then who the fuck do you think that you're fighting for, ass fuck? Sure. So, and not to mention, you weren't born 
into the military, you were at what were at once one time a civilian. Well, now if if you got preggers in the military, you actually could be born into the military. Hey, they're, they're this is that. just Democrats stepping up their abortion game. Oh, hey, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, okay, I was watching a, a live recording of the podcast uh, "Wealth, Power, and Influence" with Jason Stapleton. It's one of my top five favorite podcasts. Um, he's a former Marine, Special Forces, whatever, and so he does speak from. Uh, a bit of experience in this. And this was an episode I think he recorded this past Monday. And he was talking about, look, when you sign your contract to join the military, you're signing yourself over to the U.S. government. Yeah. You are now property of the U.S. government. They can do with you what, what they will. Yeah. Now, when you're a soldier, you cannot speak your opinion on matters regarding the military. But I never signed that shit. Exactly. And as long as I still you know, live in a country that has the first amendment. I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. Now I'm not going to go out of my way to be an asshole, uh, about everything the military does, even though there's plenty of room to do that. But you know, the, the idea that expanding the, the, this military thing out to pregnant women, it's, it's under the auspice of them saying, look at how inclusive we are. We're, we're expanding um, the parameters of the U.S. military to include pregnant women when back in the day that wasn't the case. And it's like, wow, that should be a good thing in this quest for equality. Yeah. But what they're leaving out is the reality of the situation. Um, I, I do communicate with some active members of the U.S. military, and I won't say who they are, and, you know, for obvious reasons. But one of them was sharing a story about and throughout their entire time serving, a lot of people sign up for the military when they feel like they don't have any other options. Yeah. And when their life isn't going so well. Huh, I wonder which communities that ultimately affects the most. Yeah, I think we all know. Mm, yeah. But, you know, as long as they were allowing women in, you now open that option up to women that feel like they don't have many options and need something to do. You know, all the benefits that you get from joining the military, uh, you know, free college and, you know, uh, health care and things like that. That he noticed over the years that women would come in, see what it was all about, and then realize the giant mistake they had made. Yeah. Thinking it would be something other than what it was. And one way that they were able to get out of it was by getting pregnant. Nice. Well, something <laughs> like that. I know, yeah. But the way that it actually worked in the real world, not saying it's good or bad or whatever, but just saying this is... An instance of something that happens. Yes, this is a moment of reality. Sure. Is that, you know, if, if a guy gets in the military and then realizes, oh, I fucked up, well, you just got to suck it up. You just got to finish your contract. Or risk breaking the rules or potentially breaking the law and getting dishonorably discharged and hoping that you don't face jail time is the only way that you can get out of the military prematurely. What if I wake Other up, than dying. What if I wake up one day and run over to my CO and said, I woke up this morning and realized I'm Bugs Bunny. 
They would say, get the fuck back in line. You're running six <laughs> miles today. But my point is, is yeah. it, because it is a full comprehensive contract where you sign literally yourself over to the U.S. government and you, you go down that path and you realize, oh, shit, I think I made a grave mistake. Yeah. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I don't have a way out of it. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you got to live out your obligations. You got you to gotta fulfill your commitments. Yeah. That's a good lesson to learn. A little bit of discipline, I think, is good for everybody. Yeah, I'd agree with that. However, if, if we're supposed to leave, believe in this idea of men are misogynist and there's, there's this rape culture and, and women are being mistreated in the military, uh, you just took away one of their avenues for getting out of the military. Yeah. And breaking that contract, which was not saying that it should be supported that, hey, ladies, come join the military. And if you don't like it, just get knocked up. But that is a way that it was being utilized. Yeah. Was if you get pregnant, yeah, you, you can't serve anymore. But now they're saying, ha ha, gotcha, bitch. Yeah. You're not going anywhere. You're going to serve out your time. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I would, uh, you know, certainly uh support the idea that oh instead of investigating particular rapes that take place go ahead and just get knocked up that way you don't have to deal with it anymore oh like i said yeah, i think that's yeah. a, a terrible it's an avenue i get you it's not a principle or a practice that should be you know promoted but it should be realized as something that happens sure just bringing up the idea that, hey, I think I don't see that this is a great thing. And then getting chastised for that idea. I think getting chastised for that idea is far stupider than bringing up the question in the first place. And this video clip continues. There's, there's, oh, wait, there's more. Oh. Um, but what we find is these people who, who see these women doing these jobs and are threatened by it and think, gosh, I couldn't do that. They feel the need to hold us down and try to pull us down. Um, but luckily, we have so many women, uh, men and women, but we do have women serving bravely on the front lines and in support roles, um, keeping us safe. And I sleep better at night knowing that. And I, I yeah. think if Tucker Carlson had so much admiration for the Chinese military, you know, his journalism style is a little bit better suited to that type of regime anyway. So maybe he should... Maybe he should pack up. Yeah, and you. I find it semi-ironic. Oh my god! I find it semi-ironic that she's talking about Tucker and the Chinese when we've got a dude in office that pretty much sucks the poll that China well puts out to them. This is CNN, so <clears throat> their only target is Tucker. We've already established that Tucker is enemy number one. Sure, you know the the essence that was Trump. You know Trump's not doesn't hold any power anymore um but the essence that was trump they now have to place that energy somewhere so they are placing that in tucker because they need that enemy still well of course because you know trump there is still this possibility in the next four years that they are going to figure out and it's not that difficult figure out a way to put him behind bars at that point in time they are preemptively attacking Tucker because a lot of people, I think you've said even possibly previously on this episode, they're looking at him as a possible Trump too. No, they're very, they, they are coming out and saying it. He is the next Trump. 
Yeah. He is the guy that deserves all of our ire and all of our attention. Um, and we're going to claim that it's based on what he says. But re- in reality, what it is is that he's our greatest com- competition. This is a ratings war. And we're going to do, we're going to pull out any dirty tricks that we can possibly pull because we, this is a war that we must win. I think the thing in this clip, though, that she said, which stood out to me was, sure, you know, in the clip that I played with Tucker, he did bring up, hey, the Chinese military, the Chinese Navy is now the largest in the world. Yeah. They're bigger than ours. And they're, they're emphasizing male masculinity. Tucker mentioned that and said, while China's doing that, we're doing this. China's our A number one enemy. Maybe we should take note of what our biggest threat is doing. And her response was, you know, he has a lot of, you know, he seem he sure does seem pretty interested in the Chinese military. Maybe, you know, with his rhetoric, he should just pack up. So it's he so now these lefties are using the if you don't like it, leave it line. Well, here, here's the thing. You know, I am no uh, soldier. I, I never have been, never will be, nor uh, am I a great, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm never somebody to call, on, call upon for a strategy. However, um, there is, and I wish I'd be able to quote them directly, in order to learn from your enemy, you must put yourself in their shoes. So if that's what you're going off of to uh, criticize Tucker, then flip that around and criticize Biden for the fact he's not able to do that. Well, it's the same line that they use back against the protesters protesting the Vietnam War and any war after that. And that was, if you don't like it here, you can get out. Oh, yeah, that's said still. Yeah, It's the whole... Hey, you should go back to where you come from. Or, yeah, if you don't love it, leave it. It's that same line, which has been shot down as absolute bullshit ever since it was first uttered. Because it's a ridiculous comment. How about if you love it, try your best to try and change it? Oh my god, it's almost like that might be what he's trying to do. Now, I'm all... See, I feel like a douche even saying this because I don't think Tucker's doing that. He's got a job to do. He's got a position to fill. He's got to raise hell. Yeah. That's that's in his job description. So fuck him for that. Well, he's but, already obviously playing a character. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, no, no different than any of these asshats. The sure. only person not playing a character is this major who's giving her honest opinion. You know, it's it's funny, and I'm kind of still in a line from Dave Smith from Part of the Problem, uh, because. It, one thing that he points out is when you when you watch MSNBC or CNN, um, you 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 see people that are in their own echo chamber speaking freely. Yeah. And after a few minutes, they they start to say what they actually think, and you you end up falling into a moment of honesty where they say what they're not supposed to say. Yeah. And that's what this woman's doing is. Letting you know exactly what she thinks, which is not the, if, if you're going to try to mask your opinion, this isn't how you do it. And see, you know, that's incredibly valid because, you know, uh, as I've said many times before, I, I lived in Portland previous, uh, you know, previously, and I had a roommate mm-hmm. that was also very, demo- you know, Democrat, uh, just uh, a lefty. Yeah, a lefty. Um, but 
something that she would always say that um, I almost kind of wish that other Democrats would use this kind of segue. Mm-hmm. She would always say, but what do I know? I'm just in my bubble. And I, I mean, she wouldn't say that. A little that. self-realization. Yeah. That's nice. She wasn't saying that in a way that she's being sarcastic. She yeah. was actually very much saying, but hey, you know, we live in our world, which is comparably different from another person's perception of the world and country we, li- we live in. And if we even took that short of a break to step back and say, you know, yeah, this is what I heard him say, but what if we lived on a planet where he said this? I mean, t- taking both sides. Yeah, or just saying, hey, look, I don't agree with him, but I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, it's a little wacky. Um, something that didn't exist before. Anytime something new is being brought into existence, it's always going to strike people a little different. Yeah. Because it's nothing that it, we're all used to. Um, there's a lot of things that we just accept now that would have blown minds. You know, our grandparents, uh, you know, all my grandparents for the most part, uh, I have one grandmother, uh, still alive, but my grandparents for the most part are all dead. And if, when they were alive, if I were to try to explain to them what I'm doing right now and try to get that across to them to where they fully understood all the components that were in play and how this thing actually works and how we've been listened to in like 14, 15 countries and over half the States in this, in this country that would I would not expect them to understand what the fuck I'm saying. Sure. Because it would be wildly new to them. So anytime you, you initiate a new policy or you you come up with anything new. Doesn't matter what the fuck it is. I mean, fuck the iPhone when it came out. I'll never forget. I saw the commercial, or I guess the uh, the the Apple conference where they released yeah this yeah. new phone that was coming. Yeah. And when I first where Steve Jobs jizzed on himself. Well, that was every. Uh, I mean, everyone. I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but that was also every <laughs> Apple me- uh, conference was Steve Jobs just uh, you know <laughs> whitewashing himself. But yeah, when I saw that, I thought it was a parody. Yeah, because I saw it on YouTube. Sure, and I thought somebody had created this video, and I thought it was bogus. I thought it was fake. I was like CGI. Yeah, I was like, oh well, this will be cool one day. It's kind of like you know, it's growing up, especially during the '90s. And they still happen, but, uh, and they happened before the 90s, but I was huge into cars. Yeah. And you would have auto shows every year. Yeah. And they would show concept you Concept vehicles. Correct. Yeah. The concept vehicles, you were like, that is so futuristic and bizarre. We're never going to see it. Yeah. That, that's not practical. I mean, it's a cool idea. And good God, how fun would it be to drive a car with no steering wheel or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, or the whole thing's made out of glass. Um, I took it as that. I took it as, oh, this is a concept idea, not something that this is being released this fall. So I took it as, oh, well, this is not real. Yeah. Because the technology, I, I could not, we were still using flip phones that had snake on it. And, you know, uh, the razor was like the hottest shit. Yeah. And you're telling me this thing, 
you're going to sell a phone that's a touch screen that has the internet on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I was in my twenties and to me, I was like, this is some <laughs> space shit. I don't believe we have the capability. No, it was real. Yeah. It reminds me of the family guy, uh, you know, uh, clip where, um, the old guys like just, uh, um, you know, Want turning on, and, <laughs> not him. Uh, he was just They're down in my basement. <laughs> um, but no, he's he's turning a lamp on and off around an audience, and they're just looking at him like, "Yes." Yeah, so he goes, "Are you kidding me?" So that the world fear nearly shit myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and uh, there's a uh, there's actually even also a book that I remember reading about. Um, you know, it it was when MIT was just you know coming around, and. There, I guess they ran some kind of experiment. I don't know if this is true to history or it just happened in the book, but they ran the experiment where they uh, started street light street lights up um, on the street in the streets of Boston, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, religious Boston. And uh, either way, um, the ev- evangelical sect of Boston, and just a straight up you know, scared people that, you know, maybe did not identify, but were enough of like, Ooh, what is this sorcery? They thought God was coming down. Yeah. And talk- yeah. Oh no. They, they thought that this was uh, the devil incarnate. It was kind of like, we were talking about dogma a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. It's kind of when like Loki says, there is no greater sin worthy of rapture than central air. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of that same concept. Yeah. So my my whole point trying to get us back yeah, on this yeah, topic yeah, is sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. But anytime you introduce something new, a certain percentage, typically the majority of the population is going to, if not be against it, at least question it. Sure. I mean, I, when the when the iPhone came out, I spent the majority of my time telling people how stupid they were. That they would carry something around their pocket that would do what your computer does. Why do you need that? You've got a computer. At home. Yeah. Just go home. <laughs> and then a year later, you know what I was? A hypocrite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens to yeah. the best of us. Of course. But um, so anyway, let, we'll get back to the clip. It it, it was just uh, wild to me that her go-to defense response was, hey, if you don't like it here, go join our enemies. You traitor. <laughs> we want pregnant women in the military. Get on board or go to China. That sounds fairly conservative of her. Of her. I know. I know. That's it's what beautiful. We're, we're seeing a drastic shift right now. That's what we're all living through. That's why that's, that's the main focus that I try to at least focus on with this podcast is not carrying water for this candidate or this personality. And I know... 99% of the shit I say you could hear on a right wing blog or whatever. Uh, but that's just for the people that are that that hate the right that only hear that. They don't hear where I just said Tamir Rice's mother should get broken off a big fat chunk of change from the BLM movement. Um, so selective hearing, I understand. Well, that's it's a thing. because, again, we live in a world that is uh, consumed by the fact that everything has to be bite sized. It has to be in a sound clip. You know, context doesn't matter. 
And that that's because people don't want to hear it. Well, anything they, that breaks out of my personal purview must mean yeah. that you're now speaking against what I think. And I take that as a personal affront on me as a person that you have an opinion that doesn't align with me. And that's where they get with the, you know, uh, words or violence. Yeah. Because now you're assaulting me with your ideas. Well, it's kind of like taking it back to previous issues that we were just talking about. Um, it's, it's almost as though you were telling me that I'm ignorant yet at the same time, not realizing the fact that by you minimalizing, uh, by not including context, someone's point of view, you yourself are also ignorant. So, you know, it's like making the racism kind of complaints or complaints you know, that someone doesn't get it because they're not part of the military, you're missing the point of the context in which they brought the issue up. Correct. Correct. And and what we do is we, we focus, or we, we, yeah, I guess we focus on current events and stories that are happening now in the real time, and we highlight things in a manner that I think... Uh, speaks to a higher message and that my my main goal with this whole podcast is to kind of document our feelings about what's happening during a massive cultural and societal shift that we're all living under right now yeah because anybody let's say uh 14 months ago somebody got in a bad accident and was in a coma and they were just now waking up Anybody that had to explain to them, like, okay, well, this is what you missed, uh, and you just tried to explain the last 12 months to somebody, you would have to at some point go, yeah, something, something's different. Yeah. Something's just flat out different. Like, yeah. or, or even if nobody was there to explain it to you and you just woke up and had to figure it out yourself, you would come to the realization of, um, this isn't this isn't operating the same way anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a very different plane now than anything that we were all living through. The The rate at which things are happening and how ridiculous they are and how just how absurd everything is, is noticeable. Yeah. And actually, dude, that'd be a fucking amazing movie. I, I, I actually, I think someone, not me, should write it <laughs> where it's like and, and instead a year ago uh -huh. no 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 just before the election uh, uh you know hillary and trump yeah and then they get into a huge car wreck where they're in a coma and then they wake up after trump has left office and it's just like okay so you're telling me he won first of all then you t tell me all this other shit happened, and now we're here? Here's a better one. <laughs> okay. Going along with yeah. your same idea, Please. we make it a multi, like a Star Wars, where there's like episodes, you know, one through seven. <laughs> okay. Because this can go all the way back to, it kicks off right at Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Right when that's kicking off. And you're, you know, you're like, fuck yeah. It, it even follow a protester. And then they get hit with a bottle, and then it, they go into a coma. And so they were like, man, we were just starting to take it to the man. Yeah. And then they wake up and just like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Fuck all that. No one gives a flying fuck about what we were talking about then. The corporation's on our side now. Yeah. And the biggest problem, it's racism. Mm -hmm. 
Try to explain that to somebody that got knocked the fuck out in you know, the early parts of 2010 when they were like, let's take it to Wall Street. Let's take it to these bankers. There's these, <laughs> these corporatist bankers are stealing from us. And it was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now, and this, is, this isn't anything new. But it's like, if, yeah, now BLM is, uh, they're 69ing each other. It's like BLM and corp- corporations just like, you know. <laughs> yeah, while they're claiming that they're the resistance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, and also there, there's millions. Of, we'll get to this in a minute, so I don't want to blow it. But my point is, is if, if somebody who was, you know, fighting the system. Yeah. Remember, there was a Rage Against Machine video where they made the video on the steps of Wall Street. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That used to be the common cause was, hey, this is the system that is uh, systematically fucking everyone. This is our common opponent. As soon as everything started focusing on that, and this isn't, I'm not breaking any news here, but if you're not aware, just go back and look up. It's documented. The, the rates at which racism started getting brought up in the New York Times. Yeah. It, it went from, and for decades, not even a blip, and then at the same exact time that Occupy Wall Street was going on, it fucking went through the roof. It's almost as though we were hitting the right button. Well, there was, there's a meme. Uh, I might even post it for our Instagram. Please. Uh, announcing that this episode is out. But it's a... It's a uh, I don't know if it came out of a, a newspaper or what, but it's it's it, it's this depiction of this Wall Street CEO in his office in front of a big window. And outside his window, there's this huge crowd. It's Occupy Wall Street. And it, and it shows him on the phone, and there's a little word bubble, and it says, introduce him to identity politics. <laughs> nice. But if you look, it's legit. When the number of times that racism, race, uh, black and white, and this kind of shit was starting to get mentioned, it fucking goes through the fucking roof. Yeah. The increase is exponential. And then they were sitting there just waiting. What is the first story that we can jump on where a black man or a black person gets killed in a questionable manner? And that was Trayvon Martin. Yeah. They latched onto that and said, ooh, we got our guy. Mm-hmm. Obama immediately comes out and says, you know, he looks like he could be my son. Like, he played right into it. Yeah. Well, but, see, and, th- you and, know, then, that, and then we were off to the mm-hmm. fucking races. Yeah, no, I hear you. And I mean, that's one of the things that irritates the ever-loving shit about me, or to me, about just the world at large. You know, people that get all pissed off at other cultures and uh, especially we were talking about the spa stuff before. And um, I mean, people consistently want to fight other, uh, you know, um, other nationalities just based on shit their government is doing. A government in which most, a, a lot of people in their own country disagree. Kind of like, uh, um, Syria. I think I was watching a video on Syria where it, it's just like, it might not be Syria. It's, it's just one of those Arab countries where it's all over the place, you know, death to America. Mm-hmm. But when you talk to the civilians there, 
they're just kind of like, that's our government. Uh, we don't actually feel that way. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's the thing. I mean, if, you know, it actually were the case, which I am guaranteeing you right the fuck now it's not, that the spa shootings um, were racially charged. That is the exact thing that I would always say. It's like, so you want to lash out at the people mm-hmm. when the people aren't the ones legislating. The people aren't the ones that, uh, you know, kill. Uh, I mean, sure, you could, you could say they're armies or whatever, or civilians. Fuck off. It's like they do what they have to do based on the orders that are given by their government, otherwise be killed. You know, in in one way or the other, you know, maybe, you know, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. And I mean, that's that that's that's to me the heart of why I don't understand this long stemming hatred towards a culture because civilians and the government are two separate sides. They have two separate goals. And the longer we spend fighting civilians of other countries instead of banding up and going, hey, guess what? All our governments are fucking you all the way around. Yeah. We need to work on that. And no, I am not talking about violence. I am not talking about coups. I am talking get the fuck, get the people out of there that should not be doing any of this shit. Get the people out of there that want to, you know, just build their power influence instead of helping the people inside their country. That's that's the part that, you know, always sticks at me. Well, and that's that's like an international thing. Like we're Americans, and so then sure. fuck them. But I, the, I, the current a macro thing instead of micro. I get it. Yeah, the current battlefield is right here, where we're currently at. Uh, in America, where it's Americans being pitted against Americans based on ideologies. And if people shut the fuck up long enough to realize that, hey, 11 years ago, uh, you were fucking manipulated to think that this bullshit is now your biggest threat. Yeah. Is inequality and racism and all this bullshit that is a lever that they feel like they can pull whenever they feel like the attention is getting too close to them. Yeah. Which is what was happening. My whole point was, under Occupy Wall Street, the actual fucking... Now, they went about it terribly because you don't take your problems to Wall Street. Policies aren't made on Wall Street. They're made in D.C. Sure. You do what the dipshits did on January 1st and you actually take it to the fuckers in D.C., you don't go down, you know, down Main Street and burn businesses, and you don't take it to Wall Street. They don't make policy there. They just enact it. Uh, they but just carry Jim, it out. I think we all know the people who did the burning of cities were patriots, whereas the people who took over the Capitol, they were scum. They, well, they were they were terrorists. terrorists. Yeah, and and now all uh, all libertarians are now uh, labeled as terrorists, and you know we get. We get 3% of the vote in most presidential uh, elections. So I guess you're yeah. saying 3% of all Americans are now terrorists. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of funny, though, that, 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 that 3% is uh, it's an odd number. Um, just putting it out there. Uh, yeah. 
when the heat actually, when the heat, when the target was within range, that's when they, they unleashed racism as America's biggest issue. And anybody that was alive, um, you know, back in the eighties and nineties and before all this, they saw this as a wild, Hey, what the fuck is going on? Racism is not the biggest threat to people. The majority of white people that are killed are killed by other white people. And the majority of black people that are killed are killed by other black people. And same thing with Hispanics, same thing with every racial group, because we all yeah. live near each other. Of course, this is not uh, an unknown thing, but now all of a sudden we're going to revisit this systematic bullshit and this and that. And everybody's a victim of somebody else's transgression of thinking different is this is wildly retarded. No, it's, it's misdirection, but you know, don't look over here. Look over there. But they were banking on the fact that they had a whole new crop of impressionable teenagers and young adolescents that didn't have that much life experience. They were unaware of this idea that when the first time they heard it, which was from 2010 to 2014, knocked them off their fucking rocker. And they were like, wait, what race? Uh, tell me more about this racism thing. I'm going to start looking for it everywhere. And now I see it everywhere. And now I'm 30 years old. And now I'm a, I'm a fucking hardened veteran activist. Well, see, and that's what they do. I mean, I, I was talking to Noah earlier tonight. And for those of our listeners that have listened all the way back to episode two, you will recognize the name. And, uh, you know, Noah made the point that, uh, you know, <laughs> They w work very tirelessly to make sure that the new crop of youngins that are brought into the school are indoctrinated into the new state of thought. And that way they can have us, you know, jump from issue to issue to issue. It's almost as though the government keeps on throwing doggy biscuits at us and a good portion of us are like, I'm not worried about what's in it. I'm going to keep on eating those. Oh, and there was one over there and one over there, and then I'm in a cage. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what they're banking on. That's what they're always banking on. I f personally feel that, you know, FDR a lot of times is credited as being one of the best presidents we ever had. I disagree. I think that he is the one that started us down the path, started us down a long path that's going to culminate in this century, I believe, where it's that great shift from America the democracy to, oh, surprise, surprise, we're going back to what, or we're not even going back. We are becoming the axis of evil. We are becoming communist. We are becoming you know, a, a subjective uh, populace. Well, I would, I would say you're on the right track by going back in time that far. I would say just, just go a little further. Ah, and okay. uh, you really want to look at uh, Woodrow Wilson. Okay. That's, that's where, I'm not saying everything started, but you'll find a Trevor, treasure trove of, uh, of shit where you can go, oh, okay, yep, this... Yeah. This is where shit really started to accelerate. Is that where we started unnecessary wars that we didn't call wars? 
Well, it's where a lot of systems were implemented under his watch. Okay. And also, just go look up Woodrow Wilson quotes and just let me know what you find. I'm not going to cover it here. I'm probably going to sit there for the next 20 minutes laughing at the name Woodrow for obvious reasons. Oh, well. <laughs> when you said Woodrow. <laughs> <laughs> laugh, laugh as you may, but that's how we got here. Um, <laughs> he's by far probably the worst president we've ever had. Sure. And just go look up what, what was passed. While he was president, um, what he said about things at, while he was president. And yeah, I know it's like, well, you can't judge somebody back then, you know, through modern lenses. It's like, yeah, I know. But if you have any idea about um, where the country was before he was there and everything that's happened since, you, you see him as a fulcrum in American history. And it, which leads a lot of people that pay attention to this shit to look back and go, oh, yeah, no, that's probably well, the worst president we've ever had it's like what a lot of people say where you know the road to hell is paved in good intentions sure sure and yeah. also the bigotry of low expectations and mm. and that saying is what we are now living under mm -hmm. is the the woke left the people that are claiming that they are championing uh, you know for minorities rights which by the way there's no new rights that they're getting. No. And if we don't have an enemy, we can't have a hero. And so we must create new villains every day so that we can play the role of the hero. Of course. Because it's self-flatulence at all times. Yeah. I got to yeah. be feeling good about myself because I got to be overcoming some level of evil out there somewhere. And if it doesn't exist, I will create it because I must be a hero in my own mind's eye. Yeah. That is the world we live in. Mm. But anyway, that was... We're not going to go back to the CNN video because now it just doesn't make any fucking difference. I think we've yeah we've stomped a mud hole in that <laughs> ass. All I'm going to say is uh, to Don Lemon, you know, going back to him, uh, just because you got lemons, don't make a, a lot of lemonade because it's going to taste like piss. Oh no, yeah. And actually, if um, if I could continue uh, an art of information sharing. And, okay. and the same guys as John Oliver. <laughs> okay, please. Let me play you what Don Lemon used to sound like. Now, real quick, it's not just Don Lemon. It's Don Lemon responding to Bill O'Reilly. Oh, is he about to light him a new one? Or oh, rip well, him a new one? Well, you know, it's the old back and forth CNN versus Fox News, Fox News versus CNN. But this video clip comes to us from a time long, long, long ago, like 2000 and I don't know, 12. Oh, you fogey. Now for some tough love on the subject. The reason there is so much violence and chaos in the black precincts is the disintegration of the African-American family. He's got a point. <laughs> He's got more than a point. Bill? Raised without much structure, young black men often reject education and gravitate towards the street culture, drugs, hustling, gangs. Nobody forces them to do that. Again, it is a personal decision. He is right about that, too. But in my estimation... He doesn't go far enough. Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. 
Here's number five. Pull up your pants. Number four now <laughs> is the N-word. Now number three. Respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically <laughs> black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. Over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly a million dollars more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should, <laughs> especially without planning for one or getting married first. My body, my more choice, than 72% of children <laughs> in the African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers. And the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. So please, black folks, pay close attention to the hip-hop and rap culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned. Thug and reprehensible behavior. A culture that is making a lot of people rich, just not you. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I don't know. Hey, hey Donnie boy, I, I, I think you've, uh, you know, I don't know where you missed the turn, but uh, you are completely on a different coast. I, I think if anybody is going to bring anyone uh, up for, uh, you know, legal charges, it should be Don Lemon bringing up Candace Owens for plagiarizing Don Lemon. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Like, holy fuck. And that wasn't, like I said, that wasn't a long, long time ago. No. And actually, you know, what would be an incredible experiment, mm -hmm. just throw this up on Twitter. You know, put that video clip up. Hashtag cancel Don Lemon and see if it gets any traction. You know what? You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, seriously, now, fight fire with fucking fire. Now, I, I will be honest. Um... That was an edited clip. Yeah. Now, I've seen the official clip, because yeah. when I found this, I don't even know how long ago. Um, Is this out of context? To no, the best your no, yeah. no. All it was was a like an eight-minute long clip where he goes into more detail. Remember, he says, I have five points. You know, stop, uh, pull your pants up. And then he goes into three minutes on why pulling yeah. your pants up is important. So, if anything, it was, it was far... Digging an even further ditch. Yeah, and then when he comes, point number four, the N-word. He goes into another two-minute-long diatribe about if, if you're, if you're going to be respected by anyone else, you first have to respect yourself, and saying the N-word to each other is one of the most degrading things that we can do to ourselves. Yeah. So while you're ex you know, getting onto every other uh, race for saying that word, first you got to stop using it. I wish that clip was longer. However, yeah. it was a screen grab that I grabbed fucking over a year ago. Yeah. And I didn't want to kill my, <laughs> my, uh, my memory or whatever. Yeah. So I found somebody else that already clipped it down to a size big enough that I could, it, it's, it's now small enough that I could text it out. If I had the original one, I would, it would have been too big. Yeah, and you know, there's actually three words 
that he said in that that I really clued in on when he said it. And I didn't want to break in, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to interrupt the video. But he said, and I believe I'm quoting warmly and accurately, is just my opinion or just uh or no, just being honest. Yeah. And if any and if if uh Rush Limbaugh or any other R.I.P. not a black person were to say those words after making those points, they would never stop being fired for the rest of their life. It's like, oh, you're that guy. Oh, oh yeah, shit. no, it's it it's a hundred. Now this was back when Obama was president. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. All of a sudden, what he said is no longer valid, and I also don't know why. Um, he, he made a point of making an entire segment about this. The, the weird thing is, is like I said, it was him responding to Bill O'Reilly yeah. on Fox news. And in the beginning he goes, you know, he's right. When was the last time you heard anybody on either of the two major news channels, CNN or Fox saying, Hey, this other guy over here at our competitor, he's actually got some good points and I'm going to, I'm going to expound upon those. Yeah. And I'm going to bring about a message no. that says, hey, I think if we go in this direction, uh, things will be better for everyone. I can't tell you the last time I heard anybody say, say anything even close to that. And the reason is, and, and you know, maybe this is controversial, I don't know, but the actual terrorists, and maybe in just thought terrorists, I don't, that's, a, that's a shitty way of putting it, actually, uh, but... You know, the Wokies, you are the ones that are making, you know, political discourse grind to a fucking halt. You, yes, you Wokesters, you are the fucking problem. You are the reason why people that once supported a left agenda are going, well, fuck peace, I'm out, because you're fucking psycho. You do not deserve to have an opinion because you have not been alive long enough to realize, hey, shit, life is about a series of events, some good, some bad, and you learn. And that's the thing that they're not wanting anyone to do is learn. They just want you to live in their perfect little fucking globe that we should all live inside of because guess what, guys? That's what utopia looks like. On top of that, utopia is also, hey, while I'm living in my happy existence, not having to listen to anyone else call out my bullshit, that's utopia because, hey, guess what? You get to shut the fuck up now. Yeah, and, and there can't be any bad, there can't be any bad experiences ever. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, the I used to kind of chuckle at the people who were like, they're trying to nerf the world. I was like, oh, come on, guys. And now I'm like, they are fucking trying to nerf the world. Yeah, true. Um, now, real quick, you know, okay, so that was Don Lemon before. That was the Don Lemon that a lot of us knew from watching him. And obviously the reason why it's shocking when you hear it now is because we all know that that is not no. the current landscape that we live in now. 
I, I think at some point at the end of last week's episode, I mentioned uh, the stories that we were not going to get to. The two <laughs> biggest stories that have, we've just been kind of kicking down the road are the uh, Governor Cuomo story, yeah. which um, you'll just hear about that later. And then the second one was the Derek Chauvin trial. Up oh, in, shit. Up in Hennepin County, up there in Minnesota. Uh, obviously, that is the officer that allegedly... Is or is on trial for <laughs> allegedly killing George Floyd. Yeah. Now, when you hear Don Lemon nowadays, especially talking about this case, he sounds nothing, and I mean nothing, like the clip that we just played. But the, you know, I was hoping by now there would be some actual trial uh, stories to talk about, as far as like this is what they brought up, this is what the defense is saying, this is what the yeah, uh, you know the the DA or you know whatever is saying this is the battle going on in the courtroom. Yeah, and we could actually start uh, parsing through the evidence as it's being brought up in the case. Mm-hmm. Well, the trial really hasn't started yet. They're still working their way uh, through getting twelve jurors. Oh, that should be fun. Yeah, they were up to nine, yeah. and then they had to dismiss two of them because the. <laughs> the fucking city up there just settled with George Floyd's family uh, a $27 million settlement Yeah, that got paid out to George Floyd's family for the death of George Floyd. Now, that seems like the city is kind of admitting guilt yep. that they're responsible for the death of their family member. I heard the exact same quote from a coworker the other day where it's like, Hey, we might, uh, and you can guess what side he's on here. Um, we might actually get justice because it looks like the city is actually taking responsibility. Yeah. The city would rather pay $27 million than have hundreds of millions of dollars in damages if they don't do this. So, this Derek Chauvin trial has been just only, you know, for the last couple of weeks, been going through jury interviews where they're questioning potential jurors. And throughout this questioning, especially now that the state has awarded the Floyd family $27 million, they now have to ask, hey, have you heard of this uh, decision? Oh, Jesus Christ. And if so, do you think that this could play a role in you being objective about this case? And thankfully, I guess, they had two members of this potential jury pool answer that were honest. honest. <laughs> that answered honestly and said, <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't be partial now because if the city's already paying the family before the criminal trial... They're already admitting a certain level of guilt. So how am I supposed to not have that way on my decision based on however this trial is going to progress? Yeah. And so they went from nine prospective jurors uh, down to seven. While they're not having a trial, they're also arguing on the basis of what will be admitted as evidence. In this discovery process, they located an arrest with body cam footage and everything of one George Floyd. And the circumstances of this arrest are, they're eerily similar Hmm. to what happened last May. Uh Uh-oh. Almost to a T. 
Yeah. The components of this arrest arose from uh, a vehicle, a Ford Explorer driving through Minneapolis with no license plate. Which, first of all, that's very stupid to do. You're going to get pulled over. You're asking to get pulled over. Sure. But George Floyd is riding shotgun and this Explorer. And as soon as the cop pulls up right next to, uh, or walks up right next to Mr. Floyd in the passenger seat, this is what goes down. Okay, put him up on the dash. Put him on the dash. I'm not going to shoot you. Put your hands on the dash. Put your hands on the dash. The last time I'm going to tell you that. It's simple. He keeps moving his hands around. He, keep, he won't listen to what I have to say. Put him on, the, on your head. Open your mouth. Spit out what you got. Spit out what you got. I'm going to tase you. Spit it out. He's eating. Don't you jerk away from me. Put your hands behind your That's why one yellow pill, boss. Okay, now slowly come on out. Hand under your head. Hand under your head. Okay, so because this is an audio forum and you can't see what the fuck just happened, they they pull the car over and the officer walks around to the passenger side of the vehicle. And they immediately see George Floyd eating uh, potential evidence, a.k.a. he's scarfing down drugs. Yeah. And so where that clip comes in is the, they've gotten George to lower the window at this point. Yeah. And they're just telling him, Put your hands on the dash because his hands were on his mouth as he's downing these fucking drugs. Now, and this is a recording of the prior arrest. Yeah, this is, May, this is May 2019. This is something that is new because the judge said that it was acceptable to release this to the public now before the trial started sure. because they plan on entering it in as evidence. And while they're doing that, the while they're waiting for the right amount of jurors to be found, they are further introducing evidence that they shouldn't already be privy to. Now, if this was a, if this was a traditional case, you wouldn't even know about this. But because this is an international case, the judge felt, and he uh, uh, he backed up his decision this morning, uh, this Thursday morning, uh, May or uh, March eighteenth. Uh, and the judge was quite, you know, he answered as to why he released this footage to be seen by the public. And he felt that there was, uh, that this was applicable as evidence, as far as who George Floyd was as a person, as far as his interaction with the police. Also, it displays how the police, uh, treat potential criminals. Now you hear in the beginning of this clip, you hear the, the police officers yelling commands and saying, I'm going to tase you, and, you know, making statements saying, you know, they stop. setting expectations. They're saying, stop <laughs> eating the drugs yeah. and put your hands on the dash. And you hear, Reasonable. you can sure. hear George Floyd, you know, immediately get fast talking. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, man, just do what we're asking and stop doing the thing we don't want you to do. Because we just pulled you over because there's no license plate. Hmm. We immediately see you start eating drugs or what is presumed to be drugs. And yeah. you're not listening to what the fuck we're saying. Like the jig is up. The cops are here. You're just 
you're not going to be able to eat all the drugs. So just stop doing it anyway. And so here's the next clip. This is a, it's kind of like a non hilarious version of super troopers. (laughs) Hey, meow. Um, so this is like a 15 minute clip. I've just took four sections out of it. And, uh, just to go through, just to bring people, just to bring people up to speed as far as what the new, newly released information is out there. Um, because this case is going to go on for a while and it's the ramifications of it are going to be huge. So yeah. I want to cover it as things are happening and just have it out there. So okay. here's the second clip of this 15 minute nine, uh, 2019 George Floyd arrest. Okay, relax then. You're not going to get beat up or nothing if you just follow what we're asking you to do. I apologize to him, man. I apologize, man. I apologize. Yeah. Here, come on over here. What do you got there? Slow down. So that was after they got him out of the car and they were just trying to, you know, place handcuffs on him and then search him and immediately he went into a, a, a hyperactive state. Very, yeah. if, if you've seen his 2020 arrest video, the body cam uh, footage, he did the same as that thing. Immediately, as soon as police arrive, start scarfing whatever drugs or evidence you have on you. And then... Act nice. Yeah. But the second you realize the jig is up and you're getting arrested, it's immediately, uh, why are you doing this to me? I'm calling for my mama and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, I can't, I can't, I can't take this. See, uh, and dude, I mean, <laughs> this is why I can't watch body cam footage is, you know, it, it's even listening to that. You know, that does strike. I mean, it it breaks my heart. I'm not, and trust me, I'm not trying to, 
uh, belittle what we have coming, what has what has happened. I'm also very much not, uh, you know, taking him out of the equation as far as the horrible shit that he did. You know, definitely, I will agree with the fact that people are not taking seriously enough exactly how detrimental this trial is going to be. The fact that if even even though this might have been heard fairly, even though they may have warmly and correctly took in the evidence, we are looking at a society that does not act. We are looking at a society that reacts. They take the emotional you know, the emotional action, the, the first knee-jerk reaction that they have, and then they react to it and then decide to burn down entire fucking cities. I am not ever going to say that that's okay. I'm never also going to say that I don't understand that that's the situation. This should be taken extremely seriously. People should not be watching the trial when it happens, clutching their pearls, sitting there holding on to their preconceived notions. Take the trial spoonful by spoonful, and after that, make your list. I agreed with this. I agreed with that. I didn't agree with this. I didn't agree with that. Act like a fucking juror yourself a professional a person that takes their actual oath takes pride in that fucking oath as an american that has to serve on a jury that's what i'm asking is i hear you man we're on two sides of the same coin but we're not separate on the way that we look at the seriousness of what this means that's the only reason why i'm covering it is because of the seriousness for the ramifications of what is going to likely happen uh based on the outcome of this trial that's the only sure. reason why i'm covering it if if there was a zero percent chance that there would be riots and violence and people hurt or killed based on how this uh trial goes i wouldn't be talking about it because it wouldn't be newsworthy no, you know how many people get arrested and and die from drug overdoses or, or die because of poor choices that the cops have to go clean up that never see the light of day that we don't even know about that happened in our own neighborhoods every fucking day around this fucking country. Do you know how many, do you know how many people, uh, that die in the same exact manner that George Floyd died that just happen to not be black and you never hear about it only yeah. because it's not racially beneficial to some certain fucking grifter group that's looking to make millions of dollars to gain political uh, power. Fuck this case. Fuck everything that this case has been built upon. And, and fuck the fact that we're supposed to care about it any more than any of the other hundreds or thousands of times that this has happened even since George no. Floyd. Yeah, George the Floyd only, is no messiah. The only reason why we're even aware of who the fuck this piece of shit was is because he was black. And the cop who was filmed with his knee on his neck was white. Yeah. It's a bullshit case. I could give two fucks or I couldn't give two fucks less 
about the individuals involved, both Derek Chauvin and George Floyd. Fuck them both. Chauvin was a, a, a an overzealous cop who didn't uh, understand that, hey, man, he's not breathing anymore. I don't think he needs to be restrained. However, the argument could be made that he was already dead. Um, so nothing could have been saved at that point. So it was a little bit of tap dancing on a bad situation already. But fuck George Floyd. I don't think enough people are, have the balls to say that. Fuck him. He has no business and he is not worthy of the worship and the murals that have been put uh, up over him and, and the, the, the international protests made in his name. He is no fucking worthy uh, recipient of anybody's fucking movement. The fact that his family got $27 million yeah. is a fucking slap in the face to everybody who's actually experienced loss um, but that involved a police officer. Fuck them. Fuck George. Fuck this whole fucking thing. My mind's sadly already made up. Uh, I don't think Derek Chauvin... I think... I think the only thing Derek Chauvin did wrong was that he held his knee on the back of George Floyd after he already lost consciousness. That's it. That's it. Anything before then was perfectly fine. Well, uh, in, in that, I would certainly welcome making the point that maybe he shouldn't be charged for murder, maybe negligence, maybe, a, maybe some other things. But, uh, no, I, I do agree with a vast majority of what you're saying. In fact, yeah, the criminal shit he was already doing, fucking horrible. He is, as far as the things that he did, a reprehensible human being. But, you know, I'm always from the point of view, reprehensible human beings can become other than that. You know, the biggest but, thing that hurt George Floyd were the people around George Floyd, yeah. his entire life, his community, his community let him down. You want to look for a social worker. You want to look for somebody to step in and save him too fucking late. He grew up and he lived in an area that didn't give a fuck about him. His own neighbors, his own community didn't give a fuck about George Floyd. They're the ones that killed him. They're the ones that said, hey, man, if you peddle these drugs, you can make, you can make a lot more money. And fuck, fuck doing things the right way. That's, that's a system that only wants to take from you. Just sell these drugs. And that life of drugs got him killed. Yeah, and that happens to countless numbers of people, and there's not a white person involved. Yeah, no, they're they're making a correct argument in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's it's your own community failing you. Yeah, partially, sure, and and actually mostly, but that beyond that, our criminal justice system is still. We can talk about all day long all the people shot and fucked up because of cops and we're still not paying attention to the big problem which is the judicial system that keeps mandatory minimum sentences for some bullshit well one thing i'll say about the judicial system is you got you got people that have serious crimes or even uh minor crimes they get sentenced to six years they're out in a year and a half 
You know, you have repeat offenders because you're not locking up the actual criminals. You're letting them back out. So there's a, there's a, there's a two part conversation there. And that is we're letting, we're charging everybody with the most menial of crimes and for revenue, but we're not locking up the real criminals. We're letting them out super easy. And those mandatory minimums, that's fine. But if you're in there for good behavior, you'll be out in less than half that time. No, that, that's, So you're right back yeah. out in the streets. Again, yeah, no, you're right. Revenue should never because be our goal. But what's going to create the most revenue? Keeping the, the, most, uh, the people that have the highest propensity for crime in jail the whole time? No. It's to, we'll sentence you to 15 years, but due to overcrowding and good behavior, we'll let you out in two and a half, plus time served. So there you, go. you don't serve anything close to that, even though, yeah, that, oh, it's a big bad sentence. Nope, you're out in just two Christmases. That third Christmas, you'll be, you'll be stealing somebody's Christmas presents and right back in jail before the next Christmas to serve another two and a half years and then get back out and do the same thing. So over that 15-year period, you'll be out there committing four more major crimes that we can actually pin you on. This recidivism, recidivism, recidivism yeah is there because we're letting people off of these sentences not everybody that gets a sentence i think you know deserves that length of sentence no but not everybody that gets that sentence is serving that sentence no yeah no i I would agree it's super easy to get really hung up on you know, this uh, prison industrial complex and all this, and I'm with you. Trust me, I'm a libertarian. I'm not a big fan of how many people we have locked up. No. But also, as a normal fucking human being uh, that's able to distance myself from that political affiliation, I'm not super keen on releasing these criminals out into the streets to recommit crimes. Some people just don't give a fuck. Well, then maybe we should direct our prisons back to a, I don't know, better course of trying to fucking rehabilitate. They don't do it anymore. It's a business. Yeah, of course they want to chuck people right back into it because it's free fucking labor. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to argue no, with, I know. You with that. Uh, but I think that we're also not addressing the reality of the the matter, and that is, you got people out there that just don't give a flying fuck. Yeah, true. They they they're sociopaths. They will fly <laughs> yeah. right through any rehabilitation program you put in front of them. They will check all the boxes. They'll shake their heads and they'll get everybody else to say this guy is rehabilitated. I agree. He'll go right back out and do the same fucking shit. Sure. I think the problem is is multifaceted you got you got innocent people serving jail times that they probably don't deserve and you got hardened criminals that are that are using these people as an access point to get the fuck out and they're out there um it's a complicated situation because I i agree because um you know the idea of i would rather have you know, a hundred guilty people go free, then one innocent person uh, be jailed. And that's a noble cause. Yeah. But you also have to understand what that means in reality in your society. Sure. And that means that you're going to have a lot of people 
that are willing to criminally act out towards others uh, because you just don't want there to ever be an innocent person jailed. Weigh that how you will, but the outcome of that is you're going to have a higher crime rate. I, the easy, the simplest way to put it is, if everyone's in jail, your crime rate is zero. <laughs> and uh, if no one's in jail, I don't know how you compute that crime rate. And so somewhere in the middle there, if we're being realistic, is reality. Sure. And that's what they try to balance. And I know if any of my libertarian friends listen to this, they would be pulling their hair out and losing their shit because <laughs> I'm making a case for the current criminal justice system. Well, yeah, no, and there's no mistaking that it's the collective, that it's not. I mean, and I've said a million times, I mean, I don't know a million times, but I've said plenty enough. None of us is in possession of 100% of the truth. It just doesn't exist. You are always a certain percentage right and a certain percentage wrong, and that also all stands up to the perception of those listening. I mean, at the end of the day, none of this is easy. Um, but I think at least, at the very least, what you and I are trying to do is have a dialogue, a thing that is very much demonized. Yeah. And instead, you know, instead of having conversations and having movements behind actual figures that have actual experience in what they're talking about, we've got individuals that are being praised for violent rhetoric and violent means and none of which are willing to have conversations and that is the greatest failure of our society is that we no longer will discuss we will no longer talk you and i have very different points of views at the same time we meet on a lot of other issues, even within this same topic. And if nothing else, please let that be the message going into this trial. The, the only thing that really pisses me off about this George Floyd thing is, is we all know who George Floyd is. And we all know who he is because of his skin color. And that's it. Because if I were to ask, or if anybody were to ask, 10 of their friends, do you know who Daniel Shaver is or Duncan Limp? The first name sounds familiar, not the second. Okay. But if I say, do you know who Breonna Taylor is or George Floyd or Rodney King? Or, do you have to stop that long to go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I know exactly. No, of course who. not. Yeah. 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 So we're hearing about these horrible cases uh, involving. Are, are, are black members of our society mm -hmm. when we're not even we're not even aware of the two names I already mentioned Daniel Shaver Duncan Limp there's there's even more believe it or not in fact there's twice as many as any black name you can give me that died in the same exact manners by the hands at the hands of police a lot of times especially Daniel Shaver and Duncan Limp were just straight up murdered yeah. while either following police orders or literally asleep in their beds. 
like we were told Breonna Taylor was. And there's not a single fucking uh, movement, which I don't expect there to be. Shit happens. There's shithead cops that have no business being behind the badge. Nobody hates a shitty cop more than me. I guarantee fucking to you. No, I, I, and I, I hear you. Trust me. But the, there's, there's people that have fallen victim and lost their lives at the yeah. hands of shitty cops. Yeah. Who I really would love to be highlighted, but instead we got to deal with this bullshit. Yeah. And my whole point of bringing up the entire George Floyd thing is because it is something that will be a part of our very near future. Yeah, and I'm going to cover this case, yeah. and I'm going to cover it very, um, not objectively. I'm not going to promise you that I'm going to give you an even keeled feel. My mind's made up. I've 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 read his arrest uh, arrest I, report. I have read his arrest report. I've seen body cam footage of two arrests. The one in which he died, which kicked everything off, and another one that happened literally almost to the day a year prior. I see similarities here. This, this, this is not the person in which a movement should highlight as a reason to object, well, in my opinion, to the degree the, in which they are. The one thing that I would say to that and I, I don't want to have a conversation about this. It's more or less just a question I would leave with everyone on this topic. Mm-hmm. If you are ready to go into trial with that mindset, then how does it make you any different from the individual that goes into it with the mindset of if it doesn't have the outcome I want, I'm going to torch, torch some shit? It. I guess my only reason for bringing it up in that manner mm-hmm. is if we're expecting that people are going to be open-minded um, and not create that level of um, violence, then it's incumbent upon us to act likewise. I'll answer your question, by the way. Okay. I never... I never... Valid. ...damaged property or physically accosted anyone desiring a result and claiming that to be justice. That's the difference. This is an episode. And that is what everyone who claims to be on the side of George Floyd should fucking take. Mm -hmm. Shit happens. And it's not, and it's not your personal vendetta to take up every time a wrong has been made in your eyes. Sure. Because if that is the case and if that's the state in which you choose to live your life, you're going to have a lot, you're going to have a lot of rights to wrong. (laughs) Like I said earlier, when we were talking about the Occupy, Occupy Wall Street and how they got it wrong by taking their aggressions out on the people carrying out the bad policies. Which ended up getting us uh, identity politics uh, on steroids. And if they would have just actually saw the problem and said, okay, where did this problem come from? Oh, it came from the policymakers in D.C. What's the best way to uh, counteract that? Well, let's just take them out of their office and let's take their spot and let's counteract these, these shitty policies. That's how you actually affect change. Valid. Now, the left already knows this yeah. because they are... The entire Black Lives Matter movement, their fundraising mechanism was an immediate 
well, it was it was processed by Act Blue, which is a democratic political fundraising operation. Yeah. So all of this working up of you know BLM and and black uh or, or white supremacy and Black Lives Matter and all this was only meant to get Democrats more money. And now you see the oh, current hey. landscape. Now you see the current <laughs> landscape of our country. So you're not going to get a disagreement from this. Here. Isn't me having a conversation with sure. you? It's more having a conversation with our listeners. Okay. And that yeah. is, if if the people back in Occupy Wall Street would have identified the problem correctly and would have tried to fix the problem appropriately, I don't think George Floyd is a name we even know. And I'll leave it at that. You know, before we before we do wrap things up, though, um, another uh, thing that you shared with me prior to uh, us starting uh, tonight uh, was a fantastic video uh, by an individual that uh, utilizes a lot of quotes from, uh, you know, Malcolm X, uh, utilized quotes from um, um, who's the uh, ec- economist, uh, Sowell. Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell. And, uh, you know, the way that the video kind of looks before you actually click on it, it looks like it's about to be another one of those woke fests. Well, I told you. I was like, I think I found the most woke chick on the internet. Yeah. And I just hit play. And for the first five or 30 seconds or whatever, you're like, oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, just wait. Actually, I didn't say anything. But internally, I was like, just let it play out. Yeah. Well, it, it was a credit to how you, uh, you know, introduced uh, the clip. Because exactly like you said, you said, you know, this might be the most woke individual, and so I was already bracing myself for some outrageous shit. She was woke by my terminology. Yeah, yeah. and that means like not buying into the bullshit. Oh, and that's why I, you know, I even said afterwards we wa- I think it led to us watching another clip where a guy's got a uh, poster in the background, uh, where it says "woke." Um, what was it? No, it's a, it's, it's like stre- it's it's street art. It's Freddy Krueger, and next to it, it says "stay woke." Yeah, yeah, it, that that's perfect um, for the current climate uh, that we're facing. It, it, people don't realize the damage that they are causing. Uh, with their uh, social um, activism. But, yeah, I, I, I think you will very much put that in the show notes. And I think every single one of our listeners should watch it. Right on. Before we close out tonight, we're going to bring back a segment that has recently been on hiatus. It's time for Arona's Writer's Block. Outraged, inconceivable, flabbergasted. Another day, another mass shooting, and another shit ton of overblown adjectives. I won't be shocked if this turns into a a rally cry to lock our shit down again. Of course. Why not? Allow your government to sell you on the fact that your freedoms are crimes and your shackles are freedom. 
are you upset about racial violence? <laughs> then suck down this Coke while you scarf a Taco Bell meal while jerking it on Pornhub. If you do all that, then we'll assure you that every complaint you have will be heard no matter how asinine. We'll even create a new division in our population to ensure you, your own bubble, where no one else can encroach on your insecurities. As we mentioned earlier, in Atlanta we experienced a mass shooting this week. As though it wasn't enough to see carnage ensue, to cause solidarity and compassion for those that went through it, we had to also ensure that not just the murderer is captured, but we also need our pound of flesh to go toward our social flavor of the week. Sorry, respectively, fuck you. Tuning into the news today, I either heard the broadcaster straight up ignore that the suspect confessed and stated it had nothing to do with race of the victims, or they directly lashed out at the sheriff of Cherokee County, stating, you took the suspect's word for it? Well, who's, whose word is he supposed to take? What purpose would the suspect have to mislead the sheriff? There's no question in my mind that this individual, at the very least, is going away for the rest of his life. I'm telling you guys, if, if it were me that committed this horrible crime, I would guarantee every news broadcast would show me hiling Hitler and stating how those rice eaters deserved it. Why? Because I'm fat with a lot of cushion for the pushing. That's why. I would send out the signal to any group that would ensure my ass won't get raped once I get to jail, because that's where I'm going. Of course, I would have to make sure it never got out that I'm Jewish, but hey, I digress. Sure, I don't know if the hate crime would cause a greater sentence. And if so, I'm not aware if the suspect's lawyer was present, present at the time. But if either of those conditions were not met, I do not understand why anyone is creating such a hullabaloo. Oh, actually, no, I do. These horrible, sick individuals are doing what they insist we are doing, micturating on the memory of each and every survivor by building a platform upon their graves that heretofore the victims probably never requested. It is disgusting, and each and every person should be ashamed to distort the issue toward their cause. Sure, to be fair, 50% of mass shootings tend to be perpetrated by white males. But just in how that isn't 100%, each and every mass shooting isn't racially motivated. <clears throat> Columbine. No matter what, justice can only be served 
If when the gavel has taken its final fall, all accounts have been balanced upon the actual circumstances. One of the freedoms we were supposed to have procured in this country was that of a fair trial. No matter how obscene of a human any of us are, how free is it when a man can't be found guilty of the actual crime he committed? Hate shouldn't exist, and I wish I could fan it away and flick my wand to bring about its end. But hate shouldn't be legislated away, and it shouldn't be forced away. Legislating it would be heinous, and forcing it would be impossible. What I want for each and every listener is the freedom to do whatever the fuck they want to do, as long as it doesn't encroach on anyone else's freedoms. To each and every loss in this tragedy, I give a huge heap of my condolences. I hope that each and every one of you can find solace somewhere. And for all that is holy, love each other. It's one of the few things in this world that is truly free. Or, at the very least, tolerate one another. Because we aren't even doing that. Hear, hear. I hear you. Well, just the same way that a rug can bring a room together, a proper response by our listeners responding to our call to action is also something that is applauded on this podcast. And, um, (laughs) but we did get a third review in actually a couple of weeks ago. So I apologize to. Soupy, Soupy 21. 21, yes. Arona, please, if you will. Yes. Well, Soupy 21 did uh, call this review definitely not Q. Oh, that means they're definitely RQ then. <laughs> yeah, prob- yeah, exactly. I know the language. And following the five stars that this individual gave us, Thank they you. stated, anyone giving this podcast a one star is clearly a closet Nazi who is ashamed of who he or she is and lashes out against those who they agree with because they aren't ready to embrace the dark side. Fuck yeah. Reading back over that, it made more sense in my head, but hey, whatever. Have me on for a guest spot. I'm way funnier in person. Shruggy emoji. Great intro, though. I love it. Yeah, no, you know what's funny is, uh, is I've had I've had some communications with uh, people that I know that are listening to the podcast, and I get, I guess the two biggest questions I get are uh, the first one is Jim, why the fuck are you doing this and putting yourself out there like this, and but the second one that seems to be the more prevalent one is who makes the music or where did. It's not on iTunes, bitches. No. Nope. That is some that is some ignore the rent original. But um we appreciate the the love, the shout out, and the uh the five star review and the great intro. We do appreciate oh, yeah. that. Uh, very much so. And so we are now up to three reviews. 
I know it's a, it's a, it's a high watermark. <laughs> and, uh, at some point I would love to have our latest reviewer on a future episode. We'll have to get back into uh, Doug's studio for that to happen. Cause I don't even barely know how this is even being recorded right now. Yeah. We're kind of, uh, crossing our fingers that this will actually be able to release. Uh, actually <laughs> I think we, no, more so we're aware it's going to happen, but two weeks ago when this was first happening, we're like, oh, fuck, don't know how this is going to work. Yeah. All I will say, though, is go on YouTube and look up Justin Campbell and or type in Not Ignoring This Rant. It's from November, uh, I believe 7th of last year, and you'll, you'll see me guest spot on uh, Fact Check This Podcast with Justin Campbell, and hopefully we will be able to extend the offer and have him on our episode, uh, or on a future episode. But until then, I think we've worn out anybody's attention span. We will be with you very shortly with a return of an old familiar voice. But until then, take care of yourselves. We'll see you next week. Thank you.